Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Character and Smallman. everyone and welcome to character and smallman minus smallman with danny mack on 101 espn on a friday it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers and officially licensed rolex jeweler on the day the cardinals start a series in kansas city after completing a sweep of the pittsburgh pirates yesterday at pnc ballpark daniel good morning how you doing morning randall how are you everything's good the, the mood's always better even though the cardinals Probably aren't going to be a playoff team this year. They are. Why do you say that? They just, just got off a big sweep. They, they 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 did. Got to have the faith, Randy. Back in that wild card race. All right. That's why. I have the faith. Yeah. I, oh, I have faith. Okay. Yeah. I I I have faith. Keep the faith then. I, I well, I'll, as long as we're over five hundred. I have faith too. I just got to keep the keep faith. The faith. I guess. Yeah. How about this? The Cardinals are just a game behind the Mets and a half game behind the Braves. So. I don't know if the Mets and Braves play each other tonight, but in theory, the Cardinals could only have one team between themselves and the Padres, who they're chasing down for a wild card race after today's action. Well, that's the way you have to look at it, in my mind. I mean, when you're trying to jump and get into this race, well, you you are in the race, six and a half out, but you you always have to look at who you're chasing because those teams get hot too. So it's not just one; it's two or three or four. But if you can leapfrog them, and you're playing Kansas City this weekend, you'll have the off day, then you get Milwaukee, and then it gets a light schedule again. Uh, you could have some fun in September and make this interesting, which is the uh, the hope that you you kind of hang your hat on is to say, hey, just stay in the race and see what happens down the stretch. And, of course, this is a big day for the Cardinals because... Jack Flaherty for the first time yeah. since Memorial Day will get the start in Kansas City. Looking forward to it. By the way, we're going to visit with Mike Maddox at uh, 9 o'clock, the Cardinals pitching coach, so we can ask him about Jack Flaherty. I'll be interested, Randy, to see. Um, I bet he, I, I would imagine he's going to be fine in terms of his stuff, how deep he can go into a game. Uh, a lot of times when guys come back off a rehab assignment, you know, it's amped back up. It's major league hitters. They're not chasing that pitch a lot of times just off, uh, outside the plate or inside the plate. They just don't chase many times. Mm-hmm. So how deep can he go into this game and how cautious will the Cardinals be with him down the stretch? I'm thinking maybe 80, 85 pitches. He was up to 65. That's what I'm thinking. On his too. minor league rehab. So it gives you five innings. Right. You know, and the way that he was even throwing when he was healthy, he would see if it. He was walking more guys this year than it seemed like. And so there were times he'd be in that fifth or sixth mm-hmm. inning. It'd be 80-85. So maybe that's what you get. And then yesterday, the bullpen had to work a bunch to get that uh, to get that win. So we'll see who's available out of that pen tonight. That win 7-6 over the Pirates. Nolan Arenado with an RBI double in the first to give the Cardinals a nothing lead. But the Pirates came back. Colin Moran with a three-run blast in the bottom of the first. 3-1 Buccos. Cardinals tied it on a DeYoung homer in the fourth. And then in the fourth with Tommy Edmund aboard, Lars Nootbaar stepped to the plate as a pinch hitter. A 1-2, Nootbaar, and he crushes one. Out to deep right at the wall. Gone! Pinch hit, two-run bomb, Lars Nootbaar. I can hear it all over in St. Louis. Nootbaar with his first career home run. Nootbaar. 
Did you hear it all through St. Louis? It was fantastic. Yeah, in, and in Pittsburgh. It was great. It's it's pretty funny. You did hear it a little bit there. Yeah. There was some newts there. But in uh, when he plays in St. Louis, man, the crowd, just that's all they start doing. Nude. I, I thought it was great. <laughs> so had a little fun with it, and uh, good for him. First Major League home run. Moran hit another home run to make it a 5-4 game, and then the Cardinals got some help from Paul Goldschmidt with an RBI double. Before the final inning, Reynolds with a two-run homer to make it 7-6, to six, and Alex Reyes left in the game to close it out. One strike away from a sweep, the 1-2. He got him! It's a sweep in Pittsburgh for St. Louis, called third strike, and the Cardinals hold on 7-6. to six. Are you just flabbergasted when Alex Reyes allows a home run? Pretty much. Uh, Brian Reynolds is having a hell of a year. Mm -hmm. That was his 20th home run, came off the bench uh, midway through that game. But I'm with you, Randy. I I take my chances with Alex Reyes because his stuff is so good. Um, Concern has been the walks this year. Hopefully that improves down the stretch and whatever his role is next year. But his stuff is just so darn good, man. It's amazing that guys even get contact with him. He was throwing yesterday for fans who didn't see it probably at work or doing whatever you're doing during the day i mean he's hitting 96 98 90 mile an hour changeup, throwing in a splitter he's got a, a breaking ball um he's just he's just nasty he's very very good so he's had a good year 27 saves and uh, only one blown save this year pretty good year for alex reyes tj mcfarland to the winner over jt brubaker yesterday <laughs> cards over the Buccos and Cards and Royals tonight, as we mentioned, the Watch Cardinals. Your T's and J's. Yeah, you, or is it your P's and Q's? P's and Q's. Yeah, P's I know. And J's. All right, sorry. Go right ahead. Did you enjoy, or how did you enjoy the Field of Dreams game last night from Dyersville, Iowa? I thought it was cool. I, I thought Fox did a great job of showing it off, bringing back Costner. I love the drone footage. It was awesome. A, you know, you're in a cornfield through a house. Yeah, that, I thought that was cool. I, I just. I think it's great for baseball. I really do. Um, I guess David Ross, the other day, the Cubs manager, let it slip that they're supposed to play in this next year. Rob Manfred did confirm they're going to do this again next season. And my guess would be, Randy, I haven't heard this officially, but, you know, the Cardinals were left out of the game that was supposed to be overseas. They were supposed to play last year in this game. I would have to think that maybe the Cardinals are the likely team to uh, hook up with the the Cubs. That that would be my guess. I mean, nothing official. I'm just taking a wild stab at it. And last night you had all kinds of stars all over Dyersville. It was a 7-4 game headed into the ninth. Aaron Judge hits a two-run homer, 7-6. Giancarlo Stanton hits a two-run homer, 8-7 Yankees. Bottom of the ninth, Zavala, the catcher, gets on base for Tim Anderson against Zach Britton. Anderson hits it. That was a pretty cool ending, and Tim Anderson had all kinds of fun playing in that game. He did, and it's really neat to see, and the place was electric. Um, I just think it was important for baseball to be um, over free TV, mm-hmm. which there's so much about the blackout rules and various things that happen with baseball and the frustration of fans. So uh, a lot of fans saw a unique baseball game, and just maybe you, know, you, you entice some people to watch the game, get involved with the game. I'll tell you the thing I was thinking as I was, I was watching this, Randy, how could baseball shut down next year? Like, oh, yeah. how, how could you have a lockout or a strike or any type of stoppage when you have the momentum of, of last night? You'll probably have another thrilling postseason. It always seems to be that way. And then people are talking about the CBA. You can't have that after uh, what's going on with 
you know, the pandemic and no fans in the stands and the money in the game. There's a ton of money to be made, and it is being made. So I know that's different than the purity of watching the game last night, but I was thinking that, man, this is a great showcase for the sport. You can't shut it down. Make sure you got to keep it going. And what baseball should do is take a page from hockey, ironically, and have people talking about the game. One of the things they have to do is just shut up. Now, Don Fear, when he was the baseball... <laughs> You're right. Just shut up. Yeah. Remember when Don Fear, he did all kinds of talking when he was in charge of the, oh, yeah. the baseball players union. And now, well, even though they aren't speaking, I guess Manfred talks a lot, but there's so much leaking, so much off-the-record material, which is great for reporters. And it, it does provide conversation, but it's a pox on your sport. It's just a real negative for baseball when that is what we're given to talk about rather than what's happening on the field. So this time last year, we were just starting essentially in the middle of a 60-game season. But to get to that point, remember how ugly it got? It was brutal. It was terrible. And if you were a sports fan, now, obviously, we had way more important things going on in June and July of last year. There was social unrest. There was the, the coronavirus was exploding. And uh, there was just so many things in our lives that Baseball took a back seat. Sports took a back seat. And it was shut down. But then to come back, the leaks were awful. Yeah. So if you did love the sport, it was giving the sport a black eye. They cannot do that again. And I do think that they feel that that was an embarrassment for the sport a year ago. I really do. Football last night. The preseason gets underway in official fashion once you play that Hall of Fame game. The New England Patriots behind Mac Jones, who goes 13 of 19 for 87 yards, a 78.2 passer rating. The Pats defeat the Washington football team and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your Steelers now 11 of 14 in their, uh, in their last uh, 14 preseason games, 11 and 3. They beat the Eagles 24-16. How about Mac Jones? Would you... Uh... Would you lean towards that he may start this season as their guy under center? I just don't see Belichick doing that. I don't either. I have a feeling that he's going to go with the experienced guy in Cam Newton. When they re-signed Cam to have him come back for a second year, that told me a lot about the way Belichick feels about him. Yeah, and I think he probably will look back at his time, even with Tom Brady, and say, hey, we were able to introduce him to pro football by sitting behind Bledsoe, and then the incident happened, and now it's, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, most coaches, if not all of them, I would say, would want the grace period if they have time on their own watch with a owner or organization to say, you know, I'd I'd love to have a year where this guy just sits and watches in the meetings, sees how the the speed of this level is, um, and have that guy be groomed then as a starter long term. And it may or may not be coincidence but if you look at three of the top four or five in the league Brady sat Rodgers sat Mahomes sat I don't think it's a bad thing when a quarterback sits for a while absolutely I mean there's just so much to learn at this level both on and off the field too that's a lot to take in because your QB is in a lot of ways Randy as you know I mean it's he he's the uh, he's the CEO of the franchise right I mean he's the guy he's the face he's the voice he's the player that's a lot of responsibility on a kid that's 22. A lot. Right. And some guys can handle it, and some guys have a great deal of difficulty. But Cam Newton, if nothing else. Great he, suits. Yeah, he, he, he dresses really yeah. uh, elegantly. Elegant. That's a good way to put it. But he wants to help Mac Jones along in terms of being the face of a franchise. And I, I, I appreciate that. Me too. I, I mean, I appreciate guys that understand it's the backside of the uh, – 
of the career. And I'm being brought back for one more year. And, and probably it's motivation, too, for the individual to say, I'm going to play so well that they can't bring him yeah. in. So I can buy myself another year somewhere else, maybe. How many times has Ryan Fitzpatrick done that? Now? Absolutely. Or I, you know, or be a backup somewhere yeah. and go, still go make big money. Yep. That's Dan. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It's a Friday, up. Randy. Happy Friday Happy to you. Happy Friday to you. Hey, we have a lot of guy, p- uh, people come out. We, we got, got Ann James Singer at the bottom Carol, of the hour. Ann Rogers now covering the Royals. Uh, she'll be with us at 8.15. Will Carroll going to talk a little bit. He's the injury expert. Talk about Jack Flaherty coming back tonight and other Cardinal injuries. And then Mike Maddox, the Cardinal pitching coach at 9 o'clock. So we're, we're looking forward to all of that. Plus, if you didn't hear it yesterday, Dan had David Freeze on the show, on his show in the 10 o'clock hour. And we'll hear some of the things that David Freeze had to say at 9.15. Did you hear the interview? I heard much of it. I was here actually uh-huh. doing work. But then when I got into my car, I got a chance to hear a lot of it. He is really excited about being back here on Tuesday. I think it's great. I think it's so cool. So we'll get into that at uh, 9.15. Next up, though, we've got Peak or Pit on the text line, 65780. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman taking the Friday off for her birthday. Dan Happy McLaughlin. birthday, Michelle. Happy birthday, Michelle. She's probably sleeping and not hearing this at all. By the way, uh, to you both, uh, happy Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh, Friday the 13th, bir- Her bro. birthday's on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yikes. Okay, yeah. Happy birthday to uh, everybody who has a Friday the 13th birthday today. Are you superstitious on the 13th uh, of a Friday? No, I've also never had known as Friday really, the 13th. Yeah. I've never had anything really bad happen on Friday the 13th. So I, I'm not yet. Don't get on a ladder. I know you know that better than anybody. Uh, I do, yeah. That's like don't Tuesday walk the under that ladder or something. Yeah. Don't that do was, that, Randall. I, I will not. All right. All right. Peak or pit. Dan, my peak was uh, being able to see the greatest show on Turf Guys get back together last weekend in Canton. So much fun. And Dick Vermeil built such a high-quality group of people that... I really, I, I have relationships. We put together a show. We had, what, six or seven guests last week. It was awesome. Thank this you. This time last week, you guys killed it. Thank you. And I texted all the guys, and they're all friends. And I don't have that with any other group of players on a team ever that I covered. You know, there's people from the mid-'80s, Cardinals, you know. that, But there's a half dozen guys. And then you walk out, and there are... Coach Vermeil and Coach Martz and Jay Zygmunt and Ricky Prohl and those guys. And I'm just standing off to the side there getting a picture taken. And Coach Vermeil says, no, Randy, you got to be in here too. Isn't that so, great? Yeah, he just makes you feel so important. Right. It, it's cool. So seeing that group of people getting to hang with DeMarco for a while well, was great. So that was my peak. And, Dan, my, my pit, and when this is your pit, it's not a bad thing. But it's Alex a Reyes. week. Yeah, yeah. Alex Reyes over the last two weeks. Has an earned run average of six, and he's just scaring me. <laughs> Gallegos is scaring me, too. Yeah, right. He, yeah, me, too. So I'm with you on those two. Uh, I don't think, even though the velocity yesterday with Gallegos, and again, it was a day game, I'm not sure if fans saw it, but his velocity is good. Like, he's hitting 95, mm-hmm. 96, because I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, eh, that slider curve, whatever he wants to call it, that's not quite as sharp. I mean, you can even look at it, and then I go back and look at uh, various things like 
There's websites you can go to to look at spin rates and things of that nature to then back up what the eye test says, which to me is what the, the great thing of analytics is. And I see that at times it drops. There's other times I'm like, ooh, that, that was good. But I can just see it's not quite as sharp. Now, we are in August. I brought this up on the broadcast. It could be that you hit a dead arm stage, which a lot of guys do, and they have ridden those two hard, hard. And, and high leverage situations, which is different than coming in in the fourth of a six-run game. It just is. You're trying to get it to the ninth. You're bridging the gap of tight games because they're only using those guys if you're down by one, tied, or you're leading. That's mm-hmm. it. So you're it's tight. You know you're in a tight situation. Um, but I'm with you. It's It's been touch and go with those two guys. That's why I'll be fascinated tonight because uh, what they have in Flaherty and then how, how do you get to the ninth and who's available for the ninth, all those things. That's the, the job, though, of Mike Maddox and, and Mike Schilt. And it'll be interesting, won't it, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Right now we're at August 13th. If the Cardinals can get to September and be in the hunt, it's amazing. And the players will tell us this, too. The weather changes and players are reinvigorated. Even a pitcher that's light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. Yeah. And and they just start feeling it and they get back to what they were. It's really refreshing for players in the hunt to play in September. It's the haves to and the have nots. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the have not right now with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, they flip their roster. Uh, They're not hitting. I mean, it could be these, the, the final six weeks. Randy, I was thinking about this, looking at their lineup and then seeing it, you know, on display the last three days. I was like, wow, this this could be an offense that is historically bad down the stretch. They are really bad. All right. So my peak, speaking of baseball, I know you find it shocking. I went that direction. Um, I'm going Adam Wainwright and I'm going with uh, his game to start the 88 pitches, complete game, 27th complete game of his career. It was the 11th complete game shutout that he's had. Um, and he made it look easy. It was like he wasn't even breaking a sweat. It was unbelievable. You have done pretty much every start for Adam Wainwright. Every appearance. Yeah. Was that his best start ever? I don't. Ooh. I can't think of one that was better. I'm thinking of the games that I've done. Now, I was at the ballpark game five against Pittsburgh in the playoffs uh-huh. when they came back to win that series. And he had that great reaction where he's pumping his fist, yeah. went the distance. That was awfully good. Um, he had, I, I think because of what was happening at the ballpark, it was in 2016. It was the 10 year anniversary of the 06 team and to see Wayno go the distance and then point to the guys in the suite yeah. of the 06 team. That was a, a really good game. This might've been it. And I think maybe because he was 18 days away from his 40th birthday, mm-hmm. And in a in a sport now where guys don't go deep, and he did it in 88 pitches. Right. That's the thing. Everybody's trying to walk. And granted, it was against the Pirates. But everybody on the Pirates is trying to walk, too. And you throw only 88 pitches in a complete game. And, he, and it, I loved what he said afterwards. He said there was three times maybe I was just letting it loose. Like he wasn't trying to throw hard. He was trying to spot and cut and move. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I mean, it was pitching at its best. I will say this, and I have said this, I'm having more fun having done all his games, most of his games, watching him pitch this year every fifth day than I ever have. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. It's he's a so much fun. And he's having so much fun. So uh, my pit, I'm going back to last Friday morning and uh, listening to you guys. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Now, follow me here. I'm following. Yeah. Okay. It was great coverage. I loved hearing from all the guys, but it made it uh, bittersweet for me. Brought back a lot of memories and made me sad to think that uh, it's gone. And I, I mean, I've come to grips with it. Everybody mm-hmm. has. But uh, it was bittersweet. And then I thought, is this the last connection to the NFL? Because... I don't know if Tory Holt gets in. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to take a while, too. And there is momentum for Coach Vermeil to get in maybe that would next be great. year. And my thing is, and I'm like you, I've come to grips with it, but here we are five years removed. And the one thing, and I mentioned this to a couple of the players, is that even though we don't have a team anymore, by the way, the players agree with me, what we saw between 1999 and 2003 was the best that any fan base ever saw in a five-year period. So we have that. We saw the best offense in an era when you could play defense and hit people, a, a really well-coached team that's going to wind up, if Tory makes it, with five offensive Hall of Famers. The Patriots, for that 20-year run of great offense, are probably only going to have two offensive Hall of Famers, Brady and Gronk. And, and Moss is in, but I, was I don't... say Moss. Yeah, he was only there for a couple of years. Right. So. But this was unbelievable and coach Martz always said hey savor this it's a special place in time and it was it was and uh, I don't know man I did you have those feelings at all or was it just because you were there it was yeah. just different you oh, know it was just different it was great to be around the guys yeah so it was so fun. cool yeah they were the best all right Emily what do you got from the text line all right this first one's a little bit of a peek and pit uh Uncle Randy crossover okay for you. yeah from the 618, Dear Uncle Randy, my buddy Steve and I are on our way to Canton to the NFL Hall of Fame. Any recommendation on places to eat and drink while we are up there for a couple days? Thanks. Go Cards. Okay. Find the Burntwood Grill in Akron, right outside of Canton. It's really good. And there's another, and I will get the name of it, uh, that we went to another great little patio restaurant that we went to in Akron. We actually didn't spend as much time in Canton except going to the Hall of Fame itself. But So does Canton, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, does Canton have um, hotels and things? Yeah, to, okay, but so. not as many as Akron. Canton is a, a, a nice little burg. Give me an example. It's kind of like, like Cooperstown. Give me a parallel around here. Oh, uh, to Canton, Ohio? Yeah, so you're going to where, but you have to really stay in St. Louis because that's where the hotels are. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good call. Uh, boys, I, because there is a real downtown, and it's not tiny. It, it, uh, I guess if you would put maybe a... If if you put a Pro Football Hall of Fame in Warrenton, right okay. off the highway. So it's like not that. that far. You're no. 25, 30 minutes, something like yeah. that. Yeah, okay. you're 45 minutes from Cleveland, and they, you're only 10, 15 minutes from Akron. Uh, and there are a lot of good little restaurants there. But I'll get the name of that other place in downtown Akron that had the patio. But the Burntwood Grill. Try the tater tots at the Burntwood Grill. Really good. From the 636, peak, my, son, my twins started high school. Wow. And Pitt, they no longer go to the same school, and now I begin a four-year stretch of a long morning commute. Ooh, that oh, is. boy. That's tough. Um, I wonder if it'll be tough on them. I have twins, Randall. I know you do. Boy-girl twins. Uh, the coolest thing I've ever seen one time was they were, I would say, five or six. You're not paying attention no, to I'm, me. No, I'm listening. They were five or six. Okay. Uh, get off your phone right now. I'm just looking for down? the restaurant for our person. Okay. All right. I'll let that go. And... Uh, my young son at the time was on the sofa 
and he was hurt. And my little girl said, and she had no idea that he had been hurt. And she said, what's wrong with BB? And went over it and, and, you know, like made sure that he was okay. That's amazing. I said, how'd you know he was hurt? And she said, I don't know. I just knew. That was it. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. From the 660, Peak saw Garth Brooks at Arrowhead last Saturday night. All right. Pitt, my friend and I had an absolute jerk for an Uber driver when we left the concert. Oh, man, one star. Yeah, you could uh, you could take them down. Big time. Big time, Randall. Yeah, and if they're a jerk, don't leave them a big tip. Come on, they're paid to be nice to you. They are. They're paid to get you to and from safely and also do it with a smile. If I were an Uber driver, I would bring along like a cooler of water at this time of year. Sure. And I I would treat my customers right. I have a guy when we are traveling in Pittsburgh that I use all the time. Yep. And you know what he's got? Nice cooler bottled water for me. That's very nice. He's Dan, how you doing? Back in town. How are those cards? Here's a water. That's great. So nice. By by the way, it's the rail in Akron. The rail rail in Akron. So. All right, let's uh, get let's one see. more. 314 says Vinatieri gets into the Hall of Fame from those Patriots teams. Yeah, That's I was just talking about offensive players. Because well, I think he's Richard, putting up points. Yeah, Richard Seymour, Ty Law. Well, Vinatieri's guys. putting up points. Yeah, he's, he's a special he's teamer. He's a special teamer. All right. Okay. From the three You're one- edgy today. Oh, yeah. I'm always edgy, Dan. It's edgy radio. Okay. From the 314 peak, Cubs lose seven in a row. Pitt, Brewers keep winning. Yeah. So the, the Brewers, Cubs have lost now eight in a row. Brewers put up, uh, what, 14 or something last night? Uh, 10 nothing two nights ago, 17-4 yesterday yeah. against the Cubs. 17-4. They're hot. 27-4 in the last two. In the, the series, by the way, the Cubs were outscored, uh, let me add this up, 37-9. to nine. And they released Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Adios, Jake. Too bad. But they still have 15 and 16. Man, when he was in his uh, Cubs days prime, he was awesome. He was great. Oh. Terrific. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, back from vacation. We'll talk to him about the stretch run of the baseball season next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Greg Amzinger is from St. Louis, grew up in St. Charles, went to the Lindenwood University, as did Dan and Randy. Yes, can, I, can I ask Greg a question right away? Yeah, but let's just welcome him back before we ask him a question from well, vacation. I, I understand that, but you before you even do that, I knew you were going to go from the Lindenwood University, and I just need a clarification. Yes, go right ahead. Greg, good morning. Good morning. So How he's, are we? he's welcomed in. Are you happy yes, now, Randy? I'm very happy. All right. Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Hi, Greg. <laughs> you know what, Dan? Um, I kind of look forward to Randy Carricker's amazing introductions. He calls me uh, the face of MLB Network, uh, talks about how great my hair is. So those introductions, they, they mean a lot to me, Dan. And you kind of you kind of stepped all over it. I'm just letting you know you stepped all over it. Randy, go ahead and introduce Greg. Greg Amsinger <laughs> with the best hair on television <laughs> from the Lindenwood University and the lead anchor for MLB Network. We missed him. And welcome back. Good to have you with us, sir. 
you don't understand how important those moments are for me. So thank you. Thank you, Randy, and, and thank you, Dan. No problem. I, I was just curious, what brought you to the Lindenwood University? What what got you there? Was it the program, or were you playing a sport? Did you just like it? What, what brought you to Lindenwood? I've never heard. Yeah, it's a good question. I got thank injured uh, playing athletics in high school, so uh, bad knee injury, so I couldn't play sports. Uh, I always wanted to do uh, broadcasting, and when I met Glenn Cerny, who was running the radio station, and I saw the radio station, KCLC, I was smitten. I couldn't believe they would let you know a clown like me do as many shifts on the air as possible. No joke. Um, the summer before my freshman year, I asked, can I just be on the radio as much as I want? And they're like, absolutely. We can't find kids in the summer who want to do radio shifts. So I did morning shows five days a week during the summer. That's how, that's how odd a ball of a human I was and still am. And I absolutely, through reps, got a little bit better every single day. So it was the radio station that brought me to Linwood. Gotcha. I, I was never aware of the fact that you did that because I spent a summer as the morning DJ opening the station at five in the morning and doing news reports. I was the news director, sports director, and morning DJ all at the same time. And like you, I was amazed that they let me do it. I I couldn't believe that I got to wake up at 4.45 in the morning, get there by 5, never even brush my teeth and say, and now here's the latest from Kenny G. Stars aligned right here on KCLC. The connection. It was a smooth jazz station when I was there, and <laughs> I, I, I decided that anything that had a saxophone in it was a jazz song. And because they couldn't get another DJ in that Detroit, I was playing Springsteen, and I said, "Well, it's got a saxophone." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, Greg, MLB with a fantastic event last night with the the Field of Dreams game. What was your impression? Uh, I could not believe it ended the way it did. It was such a terrific event. Get used to it, guys. There's going to be a game there every year. And this theme of destination regular season baseball games, look, baseball has tons of games to play with, unlike other sports. So use some of these games. Now, I know all these owners want to keep you know, their gate, but you got to give to get. And the ratings last night were terrific. Fox went all out to make it a playoff production. Um, and you see my friends Tom Verducci and, and John Smoltz with goofy hats from the 1920s. I, I enjoyed every minute of the broadcast. Joe Buck was terrific. Uh, to see the way it ended and balls fly into the cornfield, that's that, that structure, that ballpark they played in, it's not going away. You will see games, and the commissioner told the athletic there will be a game next year, but there will be an annual Field of Dreams game, and you will see more games like it uh, down the road. Baseball is going outside the box. Now, I loved it. I thought it was a terrific event. Yeah, I think it's great. I loved the Little League games that they would play at Williamsport. I think that's important to do. The Cardinals were scheduled to go to Europe last year or two years ago. No, it was last year. I think that's important. I, and you're right. You have 81 uh, home dates. And let's face it, you know, you're going to make a lot of money off the game that you do and you specialize. So everybody's going to collect in the pot. So at the end of the day, it's a pretty good thing for everybody in the game. And you're exposing the sport. I mean, we had our game that we love, that we talk about with you every Friday. And everyone in sports radio, even with football going right now and college football going right now, mm-hmm. people are talking baseball. And that is very, very important this morning. 
It's extremely important. And I wouldn't be shocked to see an annual game in Mexico City down the line, which is a market, a city that uh, Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, has wanted to tap into. He's brought it up an awful lot in terms of expansion. He wants to make the sport as international as possible. And and, and why not? I, I believe because the movie was so wildly successful, Field of Dreams, and it kind of transcends baseball. I mean, you have people that are not hardcore sports fans like the three of us who have loved Kevin Costner and loved that movie. And they tuned in last night just for the optics to see what it would look like and how close it maybe it mirrored the movie. You had people that aren't as hardcore because look, as much as we love baseball, it is a labor of love. There's so many games. And if you miss a week, say you're on vacation in Costa Rica, you feel like you have a lot of making up to do and you missed a lot of action. So baseball fans like us, uh, we were going to tune in no matter what. We've got to get the other. It's funny. When I started my television career, I worked in news. I was a news reporter and a news anchor in Terre Haute, Indiana. Beautiful city. Go visit if you can. And I was told by a news director of everyone that watches news, only 20 percent of our audience cares about sports. They only 20 percent. You have to cater to the 80 percent because the 20 percent is going to tune in no matter what, no matter what you got to try to get more of the 80%. And as I was watching that game last night, I thought baseball was doing a good job trying to get some of that 80%. I think mission accomplished. As, as a quick aside here, one, the, want to get uh, input from both of you guys. Does Kevin Costner look younger now than he did 33 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> I know, man. As someone that cares about that stuff, I was looking at him going, man, are, you're like pushing 70. And I'm like watching women standing right off the set of the Fox uh, pregame show or intentional talk, which was also there in Iowa. And they're like smiling with like thinking he's got a halo above his head. He doesn't have a lot of hair left, but it was wisp- It was very wispy and, and well sprayed. And he just he's got this money tan. He's living the life right yeah, now, man. Time. Playing catch with big leaguers. I want to be Kevin Costner. <laughs> so we were just talking during the break about the Milwaukee Brewers. They just won again, 17 to four over sh- uh, Chicago. They've won nine straight over the Cubs, four game sweep outscored them 37 to 9 their season high 24 above 500 they're 70 and 46 now i understand that the dodgers the padres the giants they're getting a lot of attention man i'll, I'll tell you what greg if i was a team i would not want to face of all these teams even the dodgers i think the milwaukee brewers because of their pitching i may be out in left field on this but that's where i'm at no, we had a conversation yesterday. I was on TV with Harold Reynolds and Chris Young, and we said if you had to do power rankings right now in the National League, who would be number one? All three of us said the Milwaukee Brewers. When you look at what wins in October, this team is built to make a deep run in the playoffs. I think we're we're heading towards a collision. Brewers, White Sox. And it's not just because I have a knee-jerk reaction over what I saw last night at the Field of Dreams game. The White Sox with Lance Lynn, who's the front runner for AL Cy Young, a deep rotation. Uh, Rondon is not in, severely injured. Do not think he is. They're, they're going to have all of their starters. We're talking to Kenny Williams on the phone, who runs the front office there for the White Sox. They just want to give a little break to all of their starters as they get down the stretch run. When Dylan Cease, who's got the best swing, swing and miss stuff in your entire rotation, your number five starter, the White Sox are loaded for bear. You can say the same thing about the Brewers. Brandon Woodruff hit by a line drive, kind of in his hamstring yesterday. Nothing significant. He's going to be okay. Corbin Burns with 15 punch outs the other day. This team is this team's really good. And I, as I say that, the Cardinals have a shot 
to run at the best team. 10 of their 25 games in the month of September will be against the Milwaukee Brewers. So if they want to go get them, they have to do it in the month of September. But before we even get there, they've got such a weak schedule for the rest of the month of August. They've got to pull what the Blue Jays did before they lost last night. They, they, were, they had won 12 of 15. They're going to have to do that the rest of the way to make September interesting. And I think they can because the schedule is that bad. It's going to have a lot of Pittsburgh Pirate contests for Redbird team to make up. Greg, the teams with the best record in records in baseball, Tampa in the American League, the Giants in the National League, and they've done it because they're smart. But because they're smart, is it possible for other teams to take a page from what Eric Neander has done in Tampa and what Farhan Zaidi has done with the Giants? Because you have to find other smart people, right? Yeah, look, I, I, I am always impressed by what the Tampa Bay Rays do. I, and they were so close to winning the World Series. That is outstanding. I, my issue with it is... You, we are still in the industry of entertainment. And while winning baseball is great, uh, you go to a Tampa Bay Rays game and no one's in the stands. That could be a reflection of the market. I totally understand. But what jersey do you buy? What jersey are you buying if you're a Rays fan? Uh, maybe there's David a Longoria jersey still. Or David Price, right? Wade right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, all of these guys, you don't know if they're going to be around much longer. And it's a completely different culture when you think of why the San Francisco Giants were so wildly popular during that stretch run. I mean, they still are holding on to the posies and the belts and the croppers. They're about to get Longoria back. Uh, those are two completely different styles. Now, I think Farhan Zaidi and Neander are very similar, and Farhan was not expecting this team to be where it is. No, in no way, shape, or form did even Farhan Zaidi think this would happen. He's got a bunch of spare parts in their lineup, and he's got a bunch of reclamation projects in his rotation. Did he think Jake McGee was the best reliever in baseball when he acquired him? No, he did not. Uh, this was just a Band-Aid guy for a team that was probably going to win 70 games. This is how he expected it to go. And then and then he was going to get the green light to let Posey and Crawford and Belt either get traded at the deadline or part ways. It didn't work that way. And I think it's a stickier situation now for Farhan Zaidi, believe it or not, because it kind of messes up the overall big-picture plan. As good as the San Francisco Giants are, I'm, I'm going to say something. San Francisco Giants fans hate me anyway because I've been saying this on TV. They have no chance at going to the World Series. There's no shot at being a team that will upset the Brewers, upset countless other clubs, and make it to the World Series. It's not going to happen. So, I, I, look, yeah, you, it, regular season baseball is different than postseason baseball. It just is. We're still in the business of entertainment. I don't think the Rays check that box. Maybe with Glasnow, they can do the unthinkable and make a deep run, but I just don't think either team, even though the Rays could win the East, will be World Series contenders, and that's just weird to say when you look at the regular season records right now. You know, going back to the uh, the game last night, I said this earlier in the show with Randy. Um, when I was watching that, I was thinking there is no way with the popularity of what is going to ch- take place last night, which it wound up being absolutely perfect in how it finished, and you had the home runs, and the place is going nuts, the presentation was great. You cannot have baseball shut down. I, I just kept thinking that. This is too good. There's too many good things about the sport. Uh, we can go through all the, the litany of reasons why. I don't know if you felt that way, Greg, or, or if people that are watching that in the a lot smarter than us are saying, man, we, we got to figure something out because 
Part of the great thing about baseball, too, is the hot stove. And let's try to get something done before we get back to the field next year in spring training. I literally was thinking the same thing. Uh, intentional talk uh, was on the field. I had Ned Burke, Kevin Millar interviewing all types of people, Costner and Manfred, and they had Liam Hendricks on the set. And I saw Tony Clark, who's the head of the Players Association, walking on the field. And I was so thankful that he was there. Just to be in the same zip code as Rob Manfred has been challenging for these two people. And that's always been a sign of what maybe what was to come, doomsday for baseball. I completely agree with you. There's no way they can stop the momentum that baseball has right now. People want to go to games. People, we're seeing different markets with a rabid fan base. I mean, fans in San Diego can't get enough of a third-place Padres team. Granted, I know the Giants are having a dream season. The Dodgers are good. This is a third-place Padres team, and they can't get enough because the stars on the club are so exciting. There is no way we can have a strike. It cannot happen. And even if, even if they have to go outside the box and just do a two-year extension, Exactly. Extend it for two years and then go at each other. Really, if you have to go to a strike, then go to a strike. But right now, after everything baseball fans, sports fans in general have endured, to care about the financial impact right now. And I know it's hard to tell a guy who has been waiting for his first bite of the free agent apple to be, to be patient again. And I understand timing doesn't work out for everyone, but I've said this before and I truly mean this. Any one of us, including broadcasters that work in the sport of baseball, we have to be caretakers of the sport. You can't just spend every day slamming something uh, that, that helps, that, that helps make your life better helps make you smile because you love the game. That's why we got into the business in the first place. Baseball players and the owners must be caretakers of the sport. And they have to think that way when they're getting into this negotiation. I, I, I really believe that they should not let this drag all the way into January and December. They need to start doing it soon. And to see Tony Clark in the same zip code as Manfred, fingers are crossed that they cross paths and maybe they had a conversation. They need to get ahead of this now because, like you said, Dan, we cannot have a strike. Finally, Greg, how'd you like Costa Rica? Oh, it was beautiful. Uh, we did everything. Uh, ATV, horseback rides on the beach, um, a catamaran. It was beautiful. I'm very tan right now. I've got some, I got some shirtless videos I'll, I'll send you, Randy. Okay, I want to see uh, me on a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really working on my tan. Um, but, yeah, just kind of get away. Woke up. Our, our uh, little resort had a jungle right behind us. And I would sit out there reading a book, and it was, I was looking at a monkey, and these two monkeys were staring right at me. And at first, I was, I was like, they're so cute. And then they slowly got closer and closer to me. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go inside. I tried to be the jungle guy as long as I could. But, man, some of these animals, they just get right up in your business. So uh, it was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. And uh, now I've got a wonderful Tanda show. You're the best. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. See you, Greg. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, joining us on 101 ESPN. We've got a quick take it or leave it coming up next. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Dan and Randy with you. Happy birthday to Michelle. She's taking the day off. Emily is here for your text, 65780, for take it or leave it. Dan, Dateline Denver, UFC fighter Jordan Williams notices that somebody is backing his car up trying to steal his vehicle. So the UFC fighter goes and opens the door and knees the daylights out of the guy that was trying to steal his car. Take it or leave it. When you steal a car, you should probably check the license plate to make sure that you aren't stealing the car of a UFC fighter. And a uh, boxer or a wrestler. Yeah. Well, I think in the heat of the moment, I have never uh, done this, Randy, so I can't really speak to it. But in the heat of the moment, I'm assuming you're not too worried about checking a license and then saying, no. oh, it's Joe Blow and he is a UFC fighter. OK, let's go down the line and take that card. I'm just going to say that. But I, I don't I don't speak from experience. I'm just really glad that uh, this guy, Jordan Williams, he, he, he found the. The th- well, he got to the car before the thief could get away, and then he just beat the hell out of him. And then okay. the guy runs away super fast. It was funny. Uh, the Cardinals have Jack Flaherty, Mike Miner. That's the uh, pitching matchup for game one. John Lester, Brad Keller, game two. Jay Happ and Chris Bubich in game three. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals take two of three this weekend at the K. I'll take it. I thought you were going to ask me if they would sweep. Well, how about take it or leave it? They're going to sweep. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go sunshine lollipops on you, Dan. Any uh, reason as to why? Because I like the pitching pairings each time. Okay. I think Lester's going to be better. I do think that. Yeah, he's... Sunday, he actually didn't pitch badly. He had some... Some bad things happened to him as a pitcher. Looking forward to Flaherty tonight. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, Emily, what do you got for us? From the 636, it's National Filet Mignon Day. Mm. Take it or leave it, steak is massively overrated. I'm going to leave that. I'm, I don't mind a filet. I'm more of a ribeye guy. I'm more of a, a strip guy. But no, I would not say that steak is massively overrated. I'm going to leave that too. Get a good filet. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. You ever put that, what's that shrimp and uh, sauce that they put on the top of that thing? What are yeah, they the call mushroom it? sauce? Well, you can put mushroom. You got little, or the crab, I mean, the crab. And oh, the, yeah, that's uh, good. I like that on a filet. Pretty good. Delicious. I haven't had a steak in a long time. Really? Mm-mm. Just sits in me, man. I can't do anything with it. I think I might have had one on the 4th of July. You make a good steak? Oh, yeah. Stop by the best butcher in town at Schnooks. Pick up uh, a nice ribeye. Yeah. Put it on the, the Traeger. Delicious. From the 314, take it or leave it, Brett Gardner of the Yankees is Tyler O'Neill's left-handed doppelganger. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that, too. Yeah, Brett doesn't have any hair. Well, and the other thing is... Um, I could see some facial similarities, mm-hmm. but no one looks like Tyler O'Neill. He's muscular. Very vascular. Yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it, Flaherty goes seven with 10 strikeouts. You'll leave that. I'm going to leave that. I don't think he goes seven, and I don't think he gets 10 strikeouts, but I think he pitches five. I'll go five. Yeah. With five strikeouts. Yeah. I could take that. Yeah. I was watching some of his video the other day. Um, Ball was jumping out of his hands. I mean, he looked good. So yeah. I would think, uh, but I, I could see him being a little rusty in a major league game. Mm-hmm. So you might have some walks, pitch count gets up there, and then you don't last to get to seven. He could very well, and I don't think they'll let him go 100 pitches, but his efficiency early in the season was such that he was throwing 100 pitches in five innings. Yeah, that's the way it went. From the 636, take it or leave it. Matt Carpenter has hit his last home run as a Cardinal. I'm going to leave it. He's going to hit another one. 
before the season's too. up. Yeah, I will too. I'll say that. This is, we're getting to the point in time now where guys start to uh, yesterday, and I'm not saying Matt is going to do this, and I'm not comparing the two, so just I'm kind of connecting dots here. But yesterday was the anniversary of when Stan the Man came out and said he was going to retire. Um, and you're, you're going to start hearing that next couple of weeks of guys saying, yep, this is it for me, because mm-hmm. they'll be asked by local media, guys that are up, maybe they're older, and they say, hey, are you done? And it becomes kind of a nostalgia September for a lot of players and teams. Sure. Chris Davis did it yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Chris with the C. He walked away with, well, he signed for, I think it was 150 but he also gets paid for next year. They're going right. to pay him like $23 million. Yeah, what sweethearts. Great deal. All right, yeah. we'll get one more in. From the 636, take it or leave it, you are against having the Field of Dreams game happening every season. I'm going to leave that. I have no problem with it because individual franchises will be able to play in it and fan bases will be able to enjoy it. I don't think there should be a limit to two or four teams that get to see their team play at the Field of Dreams. I can tell you this. When we went to Mexico a couple of years ago, that was really a lot of fun to do those games. We had a three-game series with the Reds down there. It was good for the area. It was good for baseball. People had an interest. You watch. Your local fans will watch as long as it's not blacked out. And... um and you'll enjoy it. So I, I think they'll have a. Uh, I think they'll they'll do this every year. I would imagine the little league stuff will be every year. Probably try to go to Europe. Maybe go down to Mexico, as Greg said. You're gonna. You're already up in Canada with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and um, yeah, I think they're gonna try to do some specialized game. I, I do agree with what he said. You have 81 home dates. You got 162 games. You can take one game and do yeah. that, and still make it uh, to where that particular team or ownership group does not lose a ton of money with the gate you can make it worth their while thanks emily thank you and thank you very much for your text to the air comfort service text line 65780 coming up the cardinals have scored four or more runs now in eight straight games have they figured things out offensively that's next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn Danny Mac and Randy, it is a Friday morning. It's 8.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for today's fresh take. And, Dan, before this stretch of eight consecutive games with four or more runs, the Cardinals' longest stretch this season had been four consecutive games with four or more runs. That took place in May. The Cardinals' record when they score four or more, and you mentioned this on the telecast uh, against Pittsburgh, they're 43 and 24 now when they score four or more and 15 and 42 when they score three or fewer. So four is a magic number for this ball club. Obviously, what has happened in the last eight games with the offense that has allowed them to score four or more on a regular basis? I, I'm not seeing one guy that's no. carrying them or, or, or is red hot at the moment. Well, they're doing it essentially... Minus Nolan Arenado, you know, Arenado his last couple of months is hitting around 240. Mm-hmm. So Goldie has been very consistent, in my opinion, uh, I would say for a good month, month and a half stretch right now. You know, so that's a key. We still haven't seen those guys red hot for like a two-week stretch. Right. So, you know, over the weekend, you're going to have to have other people step up, obviously. So one of the things, like a good example would be Friday night against the Royals, uh, O'Neal goes four for four. 
The next day, he strikes out three times. The next day after that, he walked three times. It's just been kind of inconsistent. But I'd say this, Dylan Carlson has been swinging the bat pretty well. Really well. He's got a chance to be the rookie of the year. I think Jonathan India is the leader in the clubhouse right now, but we still have six weeks to go. Um, I would just love to see those two guys go off and see what this offense looks like with contributions and it doesn't have to be, you know, O'Neal for 10 days. It could be O'Neal on a Tuesday night, Dylan Carlson on a Wednesday. But you know Goldie Arenado are there for like a two-week stretch and see what this offense looks like. One of the things that has happened over this last week plus is Paul DeYoung has hit well down yes. in the lineup. And that's made a difference because for a long stretch there, the Cardinals because they moved everybody who was hot up in the lineup, they weren't getting any production out of the lower half of the lineup. Think about the middle infield. To me, that's the question that I got to see somewhat answered here down the stretch. Where is Paul DeYoung? Um, Tommy Edmond as second base, but he was playing right field for two of the three games against Pittsburgh because O'Neill uh, was dealing with a sickness with his second COVID shot or just not feeling well. Mm-hmm. So... I think, I don't know about you, but to me, those are the two guys or at least the two positions I want to have more answers about or feel comfortable about going into the offseason. Now, DeYoung had a really rough stretch. He did snap in 0 for 18 last weekend, swinging the bat a little bit better this week. Did it against Pittsburgh with a couple of home runs. Had another one yesterday. He's got 16 this year. I think he only has, though, Randy, like seven doubles. Right. You know, it's just been that kind of year year. It, It has been. Um, I would also say this, though, the consistency of having Bader there every day, defensively and offensively. Now, he's cooled off, but yeah, that has been a difference. Uh, Bader, last 14 days, 186 with a 451 OPS. But the defense is still difference-making defense. I would agree. And uh, I would say the reason you're winning these games, and we can point to the fact that, yeah, you've scored four runs. But if you go back to a week ago, starting on Friday – after the Brave series, it's been your bullpen. Mm-hmm. I mean, your bullpen was pretty good yesterday. Not great, but got through it. They had to cover seven innings, but they were good in game one. They were good against the Royals. I mean, they had, uh, you know, a couple of guys step up to help them and moving up with importance, I'm sure, in, in confidence from Mike Maddox and Mike Schilt, but Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland. I mean, those two guys, you don't talk about them a lot. They're bullpen guys, but they've been pitching really well, especially Garcia. I think he's given up no walks in the last nine and a third no runs that's big yeah after a rough start the cardinals and this is a credit to mike maddox he appears to have garcia straightened out now the one thing about this offense that will intrigue me is after a day off monday the brewers come to town and the brewers and we've mentioned this before on the show but we'll mention it again if you haven't heard their top three starters corbin burns brandon woodruff Freddie Peralta, by the way, Peralta is number one, are one, two, three in all of Major League Baseball in OPS against. Wow. So the Cardinals offense, we're going to find out. Uh, We aren't really going to find out. It's not fair to say we're going to find out against the Brewers, who are the best starting rotation in baseball right now. But we will see if the Cardinals can do some damage against that starting rotation. Well, they've been shutting down everybody. Yep. You know, so that becomes tough uh, to deal with. And you know what? You got to give the Brewers a lot of credit, too, in the fact that they were able to get through a a bad COVID situation, too. They had like something, eight guys pop, and a lot of it was in their bullpen. Mm -hmm. Really cost them one of the games where they just had unavailable people. And by the back end of the game, they gave it up. But when they're right, they also have Hader and Williams there. Williams pitching better. 
here in the last few weeks. So that makes a difference for them, too. Yeah, they're really good. But first things first for the Cardinals, they need to handle Kansas City. Took two of three last weekend against the Royals. And Dan, they're in a situation now, the Cardinals are, where they really can't afford to be losing games against lesser teams. They've lost a lot of games against lesser teams this season. I shouldn't say lesser teams, but teams that we would perceive they should beat. And now they're in a situation where they've backed themselves up against the wall so much that you can only hope to go 500 against the Brewers. And if that's going to be the case, you have to play 750, 800 ball against everybody else. So you're winning two out of three, three out of four. Yeah. And that starts this weekend. Home and road, by the way. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you got to win two out of three, in my opinion, against the Royals. Then you have the three with... Off day Monday, three with Milwaukee. Then it lessens again with a bunch with Pittsburgh. You've got Detroit coming in. You can't lose those games. I mean, you're going to lose. It's baseball. You're going to lose some games. But series left, two out of three, three out of four. That's the way it's got to roll out, period. Doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. Go back to the ninth, or the 2007 Colorado Rockies. They weren't a very good team. They win 21 of their last 22. They, they just were not good. But then they figured things out in the last month of the season. The 2011 Cardinals figured things out in the last month of the season. It has happened. If it does, it'll be a pleasant surprise to me for the Cardinals. Well, I think the thing that you say is they haven't done it for four and a half months, whatever mm-hmm. it is. What would make you think they're going to do it now? Exactly. You know, it's now the, the thing that you would hold your hat to is that you say you do have Flaherty coming back. You're not sure what you're going to get back from Michaelis, who was really roughed up in his last. I mean, the line was ugly. I don't care about lines on rehab starts. I care about how the guy feels the next day and the day after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and see what you, you know, I loved what I saw at a half the other day. I mean, they're just calling fastballs yeah. and saying, hey, you know, this go get him with that. If he does that and Lester can give you some innings, then it, you're in a better position, though, than you've been in the last four and a half months. I would say that. Would you agree? I would agree. So yeah. maybe that allows you to win some more games, but you may be too late. We'll see. That is your fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head across the state as the Cardinals do open their series with the Kansas City Royals. and Rogers, who used to cover the Cardinals for MLB.com, now covers Kansas City. She joins Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us, Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle off today, and we're heading across the state. Ann Rogers, who covered the Cardinals for a couple of years for MLB.com, now covers the Kansas City Royals. And she joins us as the Cardinals visit Casey on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Ann, always good to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Everything's great. Uh, this Royals club has been interesting this year. After a really good start, they had a horrific stretch, and now they, they've played some pretty good ball. They started off uh, really well after the All-Star break, and they played okay. When the Royals are playing well, and what's the common denominator? What are they doing well to win games? Yeah, everything starts with their starting pitching, um, that's for sure. When, when those guys get on a roll... Um, you know, they, they kind of set the tone. I think the offense feeds off of it. You know, manager Mike Matheny has talked about 
how it's different than any any other club he's really managed in the fact that um, once um, you know once the starting pitching has has started it uh, the offense can kind of feed off of what they've done so when when they get good starts that that's kind of help helps them get on a roll um, they're they're rolling with a six man rotation right now which will be interesting to see how that plays out um, but when when they're going good it's all about the starting pitching. You know, you mentioned uh, Mike Matheny, so you're covering him every day. And and when he was let go here in St. Louis, he uh, did kind of a self-evaluation. And he said, I got to be better with the media. Uh, I got to be better in aspects of bullpen management, analytics, those kind of things. How is he uh, now being received? He's been there for a bit, but how is he being received in some of those things that I just mentioned? Yeah, I think, you know, he's really taken it upon himself to, to figure some things out, like you said, with, with the media, he's done really, really well um, from what I've experienced so far um, and what I've heard from last year as well, too. And, um, you know, I think he's really opened up his eyes to the analytics part of it as well. He relies a lot on the sports performance department that the Royals have, helps him um, decide who's who's going to be ready for games as far as the bullpen goes, who's going to be down that day. He relies a lot on that stuff. Um, he still relies on, you know, the conversations that he has in the outfield that during BP every day um, for that. But, you know, he's looking at the numbers. He's looking at the data. He relies a lot on, on the group that he has um, surrounding him. I think that's, that's somewhat different in St. Louis. And um, by all accounts, you know, he's, he's took that year off and, and really made sure he came back better for it. And, the world's going to be happier with where where he is right now and where their team is because of him. I I think they're really looking toward the future. That's that's their whole goal is is looking toward the next couple of years. And and they think Mike Matheny is the guy to help help lead them there. And Salvador Perez is having a Salvador Perez type year, eight twenty five OPS. But after him, who are the the guys that the Royals are counting on to provide the offense? Yeah, I think, you know, the first guy that comes to mind is Whit Merrifield. You know, he's had a tough stretch here lately, but he's their leadest guy. He he sets the tone at the top. Um, he's great, great defensively, very versatile. And then, you know, he basically finds ways to get on um, pretty much any way and, and drive runs in if there are if there are guys on base ahead of him. So that's that's the first guy that comes to mind. And then, and then I think of Hunter Dozier. You know, he had a horrific start to the season the first half of the season was just not what they were looking for after he signed a four-year contract extension but he's starting to turn things around I think the rest of the season is just about him being a comfortable spot um getting off you know finishing the season on the right note um so those two guys are really the veterans that uh, behind Salvi that they want to lead this team in the right direction uh, is anybody ever asked Mike Matheny um, to compare Yadier Molina and Salvador Perez? Because Yadier's going to the Hall of Fame and Perez <laughs> is putting together a Hall of Fame career. I'm just curious if he's been asked about those two. Yeah, you know, he doesn't like comparing, but he definitely equates the two. Um, you know, we were talking in St. Louis last weekend just how tough both of them are. Um, Salvi had some illness, non-COVID related, that caused him to miss his first game um, of the season on Friday last weekend in St. Louis. And um, Matheny was talking about just after the game, how he came back to like three texts from Salvi saying, um, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm want to be in the lineup tomorrow. I want to be in the lineup tomorrow. So they, I think he sees a lot of similarities between the two, just in their toughness and the way they call games in in their offense, you know, Salvi's putting together a career year as far as offensive numbers wise. And I think every, every year he gets a little bit better defensively you know i think yadi hasn't beaten that category uh, but they those two i think they um they feed off each other honestly 
that's what Matheny was talking about last weekend is just, you know, their competitiveness and seeing each other thrive on, on both sides of the state. I think that helps them both. And one thing about Salvi is that as great as Yadier Molina came at, became as a hitter, 2013, 2014 specifically, this year, Perez, 29 homers, 73 RBIs, and 825 OPS. If he maintains this, he'll have a better offensive year than Yadi ever had. Yeah, I think Salvi has always been about his offense. You know, his defense has, has come along incredibly um, since he's arrived, and he knows how to guide young pitchers, which has been key in this in this rebuild um, for them. But his his offense is is pretty much unmatched. He's he's um, just such a dangerous bat in in the lineup in in the middle part of the lineup too. But, you know, the other day he had his 10 year anniversary of his MLB debut and blasted two homers and. Uh, it was it was just a fun night for him. I think you know he's really coming into his own even ten years after he got got into the league. I'm curious about the uh, starter tonight and then the starting pitching for uh, the rest of the weekend. So Mike Miner goes tonight. Keller, we saw him. We've also seen Bubich. He pitched on Sunday. Uh, but let's start with Miner tonight. What can the Cardinals and uh, this fan base expect out of that lefty? Yeah, he you know he's had an up and down year. He's had some really good starts and and some you know, really off ones too. Um, he's, he's the kind of guy who loves to go deep. Um, he'll, he'll find a way to, to get, get, you know, six or seven innings when he can, even if he doesn't have his best stuff. That's, that's just his veteran status. Um, but he's the kind of guy that really, um, you know, they can lean on for, for innings. And that's really why they signed him. And, and given the, the Royals, that veteran presence in the, in the rotation that really, they don't have any more after Danny Duffy was traded to the Dodgers at the deadline. So Miner is, is their, is their veteran. And he's the kind of guy who, you know, the young guys really lean on for experience. I know Chris Bubich has talked about how much he looks at minor starts just because of the lefties and they pitch similar. Um, so I think that that's really what minor minor brings to the Royals is innings. And then that veteran presence. Hey, and the uh, Royals have done this before. They've they've rebuilt and they have uh, come back and won a World Series. And Dayton Moore is the guy that built that World Series championship club. Is there an ETA for this club? It seems like with that division, Detroit's rebuilding. Cleveland is ba- if they aren't rebuilding, they're headed toward it. Minnesota has uh, started that process, and the the White Sox are far and away the class of the division. So. Is there a timetable for Dayton Moore to have this franchise back to where it was six, seven years ago? Yeah, it's gonna. You know, they they expect to contend next year. I'm I'm not sure if that's um, gonna play out the way that they'd like it to, but I do think that 2023 is the year that everybody's circling. Um, you know, their their young prospects will be established by then, hopefully, and and you hope that their the young starters that they have this year will will have even more experience by then um, in the rotation and in the bullpen. So I do think that you know these next few years are, are going to be crucial. You know, you want to get you want to transition some of these young guys into, into the major leagues. I'm thinking of Bobby Witt Jr. I'm thinking of Nick, Nick Prado, two of their, their top infield guys. Um, they want to get those guys into the majors, get them established, and then kind of circle 2023 as, as the year to, to really go after it, go after the White Sox because they're going to be good for a long time. But you, you mentioned the Tigers. That team is really good. And I think those the Royals and Tigers are, are going to clash here for, for the next few years as far as contending for – for a playoff spot and, and battling in the American League Central. 
I would imagine we have a lot of people uh, listening to us right now on uh, I-70 headed to Kansas City and going to make this a long weekend with the Cards and the Royals. What are you uh, hearing in terms of uh, the crowds this weekend and the anticipation of uh, this series between these two clubs? Yeah, I think it's going to be – it's always fun. You know, I remember back in 2019, um, I came here with with the Cardinals, uh, and I was just blown away by the atmosphere. And there's tons of Cardinals fans that come, and I know the Royals – they love it, but they also love when their fans come out. So um, I think it's it's just going to be a huge mix of blue and red. And I was surprised to see uh, how many Royals fans were in at Bush Stadium last year or last weekend. Sorry, just about uh, you know I looked down from the press box and saw so much blue in the stands. So it's always fun, you know. I, I love the cross state rivalry, and I know Cardinals fans will come over and uh, you know make their presence known at Kaufman. So I think it's going to be a pretty fun crowd, and hopefully some good weather here in Kansas City. And Rogers, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the weekend with the Cardinals and the Royals, and hopefully we'll be able to talk again in the future. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. You too. And Rogers covers the Royals for MLB.com. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, she mentioned that the Tigers are close. They're only three games under five hundred. We thought the Tigers would be another 100-loss team this year. And after an 8-19 and April, they went 14-13 and in May, 14-13 and in June, 14-12 and in July, and they're 7-3 and in August. And A.J. Hinch has done a spectacular job of getting the Tigers to ascend. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, sitting where they were to start the season, spring training, I saw a bunch of their games um, in spring training. I thought, man, this is a 90 to 100 win, or I'm sorry, 100 loss team, but he's done a very nice job. Uh, you are a baseball aficionado, and this is uh, going to lead into the fight, but I do have a question for you. Yes, sir. This is a pretty famous date in baseball history as it pertains to the Cardinals. Did you know that? August 13th, 1979. What happened? August 13th of 1979. This should be a, a fight question. Um ball. That's how it starts. No Rumble. play. 1979? Yeah. Ground ball, no play. We didn't have a no-hitter on that day, did no. we? No. What was it? Who? Oh, Lou Brock. Lou Brock hit number oh, 3,000. Dennis Lamp's knee. That's right. Okay. Yeah. The runner. No play. 3,000 for Lou Brock. Yeah. Uh, August 12th of 1994, by the way, was the start of the strike that ended that season. Yikes. I don't and, like to... Why you got to ruin that? No, I, you know what... Actually, there was something... How did they not good. figure that thing out? That was by crazy. The, to not have a World Series. So the Cardinals are in Florida playing the Marlins. I remember. And baseball decided not to send the players home on a charter. That's right, because so, it's owned by the... Essentially, it's a team charter. Right. So Tom Pagnazzi got all the guys making a million dollars or more together to charter a plane. And they allowed all the guys making less than a million dollars to ride on the charter. Nice. Yeah. So Pags is like the ultimate teammate. Yeah, he is good leader. loved by his teammates. Absolutely. Um, by the way, too, do you remember when we came back in 95, Ken Griffey Jr. coming to St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to try to get fans back in the right. ballpark. No one was there. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy, man, trying to get the interest of the fans back for yeah. baseball. And that, it was hard. Yeah. And the Cardinals. And by the way, that was the last year of the Anheuser-Busch ownership. And 
Bush the third had no interest in baseball and in the team being good. They did a real disservice to Joe Torre because Joe Torre would have been fine here. If you give him the 96 team, Joe Torre would have won the division too, just like Tony did. Yeah, the 96 team, they got Gant, Gaetti, Bennis. Gallego. Uh, Gallego, yeah. And it was Tony bringing in... Uh, uh, Eckersley, well, Eckersley and Honeycutt. Honeycutt, that's who I'm thinking of. Um, so they revamped that Stottlemyre. team. And you had a pretty good Dimitri Young, Brian Jordan, Ozzy's final year. It was a fun year. Yeah. They were up 3-1 on the Braves and then got demolished. And then Game 7, Donovan Osborne happened. He was sweating profusely. Yeah, he was. He, he was like Esteban Jan-esque sweating that night. Unbelievable. Yes. It really was. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It has been a while since Randy has lost in the fight. Michelle has the day off. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Michelle. And we say hello to Chris to challenge Randy. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well. Happy Friday to you. What do you do for a living? I'm a teacher and a basketball coach. Where at? Uh, St. Pius X and Festus. Are you girls or boys? Boys basketball. Varsity? Varsity. Man, that's a that's a lot of sleepless nights, isn't it? I don't sleep anymore, man. Yeah. Uh, six, 16 years, I don't sleep. Uh, what's your best team? Who have you had? What do you got? Ooh. My best team that I've coached? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, a couple years ago, we won 21 games and won the district championship. It was pretty pretty good feeling. Nice. Uh, what do you teach? I'm actually uh, what's called the learning consultant, so I pretty much run special education in a, in a private school. Wonderful. Love to hear it. Thanks uh, for doing what you do for the kids. Let's uh, let's beat Randy today. You ready? That's what I want to do. Let's do it. Happy 62nd birthday to Magic Johnson. Magic is a part owner of a baseball team and is a World Series champion through that ownership. Which team is he a part of? The Dodgers, Yankees, or the San Francisco for Emily, the San Francisco 49ers? I meant the Giants. Okay. I, look, it was late when I typed that. Oh, okay. All right. Scrap that. We'll put the Giants in there. Is it the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, or the Giants? The Dodgers. Yes, sir. Happy 34th birthday to Jaguars tight end Tim Tebow. What country was he born in? The United States, the Philippines, or South Africa? United States, yeah. Philippines, or South Africa? I'm going to say the United States. All right. Happy 30th birthday to former Cardinal Randall Grichik. Grichik hit a grand slam on his birthday in 2016. Against which team? Was it the Cubs, the Braves, or the Reds? Braves, Reds. You're going to go Reds? Okay. Uh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I just think I was doing my Randy. I was just okay. talking it out. <laughs> gotcha. All right. No problem. Um, I'm going to go with the Braves. Okay. 
And the final question, who is the first player to hit a home run in the state of Iowa during a Major League Baseball game during last night's Field of Dreams? Was it Eloy Jimenez, Aaron Judge, or Jose Abreu? Uh, you didn't watch the Field of Dreams game, did you? I did not. Yeah. I watched the highlights, and I can't remember. <laughs> gotcha. Um, going with Abreu. Okay. All right, Randall, come on in. Chris, um, when does school start for you? Do you guys fire up next week? Yeah, we we actually have teachers meetings today, so I, I think all the other coaches and teachers are probably listening right now to make fun of me after I get beat by Randy. No, don't say that. <laughs> have confidence in it. Uh, Randall, one of the great educators in our area is with us, and that is Chris. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing all right, Randy. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, what? Uh, where do you provide the education? St. Pius the 10th and Festus. All right, great. Thanks for doing what you do, and thanks for joining us this morning. He's also a basketball coach, too, for the boys. All right, coach. We'll call you coach rather than Chris. All right. It's Randy against the coach. Randall, are you ready? I'm ready, Dan. Happy 62nd birthday to Magic Johnson. Magic. He is a part of a baseball team and an ownership group. Which team is that? Oh, man. I'm going to go with the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. Happy 34th birthday to Tim Tebow. Tebs. What country was he born in? He was born in uh, like some South or Central American country, but I don't remember which one, so I'll do the lifeline. The U.S.? No. The Philippines? South Africa? Okay, so it wasn't South I think it was, it was the Philippines. I don't think he was born in South Africa. Happy 30th birthday to Randall Gritchick. Randy. Randall hit a grand slam back on his birthday in 2016 against which team? 2016 August. Randall Gritchick. That's correct. Uh, Let's see. So that would have been August of 2016. Randy. Oh, let's see. Who would that have been against? I don't remember a Randall Gritchick grand slam. I will... uh, 2006. He only gets one lifeline, right? Yeah. Okay. I think it? I'm going to go with it being against the eventual world champion Cubs. Who was the first player in the uh, game last night? So the first player in history to hit a home run in the state of Iowa during a Major League Baseball game during last night's Field of Dreams game. The first home run. Uh, well, let's see. We had... Abreu's home run. So I I think it was the uh, Jose Abreu homer, right? That would have been it. I'll go with... Uh, hold on. No, somebody hit... Who hit the one to the opposite field in the first inning? Uh, it was Aaron Judge. All right, Emily, we got a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight... Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Just win, baby. Happy 62nd birthday to Magic Johnson. He is a part owner of the Los Angeles Doyer. Happy 34th birthday to Tim Tebow. He was born in the Philippines. His parents were Baptist missionaries at the time of his birth. That was in the Philippines. 
Happy 30th birthday to Randall Gritchick. It was a grand slam over the Chicago Cubs, and it was off of, I remember this, Joe Smith. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I was looking the other day. Gritchick has driven in 70. He's having a great year. He's turned into a really good player. So he, his on-base, though, is terrible. Mm-hmm. But when he connects... It goes. Yeah, he hits for power. So he's, he's a, I think, at 19 or 20 home runs. He's a 2021 player. Yeah. Uh, first player to hit uh, uh, the home run last night was Jose Abreu. It was Abreu. It was in the bottom of the first. Eloy Jimenez in the bottom of the third, Aaron Judge, top of the third, top of the ninth, and then he had the uh, walk-off homer as well. Hey, Chris, stay safe uh, teaching this year. Have a great basketball season, and thanks for playing, and hopefully those co-teachers don't give you too much trouble today. Oh, I'm sure they will. But can I make a shameless plug real quick? Sure. Um, love you guys' show. Listen, I listen to both you guys' show every day, even the podcast. If I can, I'll download them. But, Presented uh, by we I do Promise. It. Exactly. Um, we we do a coaches show uh, on live stream STL called the Coaches Box, and we try to steal some stuff from you guys every now and then. So don't hold us against us, but if you guys want to tune in, feel free to. We'll do it. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. You got thank it. you. That's Chris. Uh, Randy? Yes. From the 314, and I'm kind of curious, too. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to see if you're going to lie. 314, Randy, I've always been curious of the four major sports, how would you rank them in your personal likeness? Personal likeness. I would say that that has changed and evolved over the years. In terms of going to games, just as a fan, I would say hockey, baseball, football, basketball. But it used to be, before analytics, baseball. Football and before the Rams left, football, hockey, yeah, football basketball. was always your passion. Loved it, yeah. You loved grit. But baseball is a, a passion of mine too. Okay, but I, I would say that right now I would go hockey, baseball, football, basketball of the pro four pro sports. How about you? Uh, baseball for sure, and then I'd go hockey. And then I would go um, probably a tie for basketball and football. Yeah. Think about the NBA. I'm into college yeah. football. I love college football. College football is great. I, I like the NBA in the fourth quarter, but man, going to the first half of an NBA game, it it's cool to be there and see everything, but the players don't try hard. I went to a game that uh, out in LA, Shaq and Kobe were on the floor, and, uh, and to your point, it's four minutes left, and then it was like, oh, now they're playing, yeah. and, and they came back, it was at uh, Staples Center, and that was cool to see. Best NBA uh, game I've gone to. I haven't gone to many, but I got to see Jordan play. I mm-hmm. always wanted to see him play, so I got seats up top, watched him play, saw Rodman throw his jersey into the uh, stands. He got ejected, had a great time. Nice. So when I say football and basketball, college for me is light years ahead of the pro game. Agreed. So yeah, football my and interest basketball. there is yeah. Very, very high. Coming up next, how concerned should we be about the return of Jack Flaherty tonight from his oblique injury? We're going to talk to the injury expert, Will Carroll, about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and a friend of the show, Will Carroll, joins us. You can follow Will on Twitter, at Injury Expert. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. You have a book coming out next year? 
Yeah, I do. It's called the science of baseball. So uh, if you're interested in why the ball has uh, changed so much or what we're doing with bats or how all this technology works, hopefully I'll be able to explain it for you. Looking forward to that. Well, Jack Flaherty returns from an oblique injury tonight. He's been out since Memorial Day, so two and a half months, and he's had three rehab starts for the Cardinals. I wanted to get you on to uh, tell Cardinal fans whether or not they should be concerned about his health and a re-injury in tonight's game or as he pitches down the stretch here. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, uh, Jack has been very focused on his health, so it took a really severe oblique strain, one we don't normally see, to take him down. But we've gotten better as just generally sports medicine with oblique strains because we've had so much practice with them. Uh, The medical staffs know how to get these guys back. They know the warning signs. We know we have to make sure that in that first 7- to 10-day period, there's not more stress. And they've done very well. Uh, They've been conservative with Flaherty. They've had to make sure this heals up. So this doesn't become problematic. Remember, muscles heal themselves the same way as everything else in our body with scar. So for a period of time, it's going to be both tighter and weaker, about 75% of the normal muscle strength. Now, he can build that up, uh, his off-season work with with, uh, people like Sarah Howard on flexibility and functional strength are going to be absolutely key to keeping him from having this become a chronic problem. But uh, I think he's back. I think he's going to be the ace that uh, the Cardinals need right now. I am curious, uh, Will, and you do a fabulous job on this. You know, one of the the, the big you know questions going into a major league season coming off of 60 games is, number one, are we going to see a ton of injuries? And number two, what are the uh, players going to be like having not a full season last year, but then specifically, you know, trying to get through August, September, and then the grueling month of October. Um, Are you seeing any trends because of what happened last year? And and what do you anticipate in the future here uh, for the final couple of months? Yeah, we we have seen more injuries, but they haven't been the ones we expected. Uh, You know, we're not seeing guys wear down. We're not seeing a lot more uh, you know, blown out shoulders, blown out elbows, the guys uh, heading to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, those are pretty much on par with what we've seen in the past. Uh, what we are seeing is a whole bunch of upper leg injuries, tons of hamstrings and quads, up, uh, up nearly 40%. Uh, we've seen a bunch of hip flexor strains. Uh, Lewis Robert uh, was probably the worst of those. Uh, he was able to come back and was part of that great Field of Dreams game last night. Uh, but it's been very, very strange because – Everything's different. We don't know how to deal with what's essentially a missed season. I was talking to a, a player development director from another organization, and he said, you know, we can look at some of these guys, and they took that year and used it, and they got better, they got stronger, they got faster, they did whatever they needed to do. On the other hand, there are players that didn't. Uh, for whatever reason, they stagnated or worse, went backward, that uh, COVID really got the better of them. Uh, either from a health standpoint or just getting things done standpoint. So uh, I think we've, we've seen a big difference. The question down the line, you know, these last couple of months and into the playoffs is fatigue. And that's something we can, we're a little bit better at these days, monitoring the workload, making sure these guys are out there, but we're not good at it. So I do expect to see, you know, uh, a dip in velocity for some guys, maybe a, a dip in uh, how they, they get out there. Maybe they need an extra day's rest here and there. Uh, so I think the managers are going to have a big hand in how these guys handle uh, getting through a hot August and September. 
Will Carroll, the injury expert, with us on 101 ESPN. Follow Will on Twitter, at Injury Expert. You mentioned shoulders, and Dan and I were talking earlier, Will, about rotator cuffs. Mm -hmm. It seems we used to see rotator cuff injuries all the time for pitchers, and you are also in the business of helping prevent injuries. Why do we not see torn rotator cuffs anymore? Frank Job. This is an easy one. Frank Job was a genius, uh, and he was the, the doctor uh, started the Curlin Job Clinic out there. He was the Dodgers team physician for years and years and is probably best known for creating Tommy John surgery. He also created a series of exercises called the Thrower's 10. Uh, and it's 10 exercises that, that guys go through. Uh, also add in something called J-Bands. Alan Jager invented basically a big rubber band and a series of exercises that you'll see a lot of pitchers going through ahead of games. Uh, you'll see them in the bullpen and it looks like they're just moving their arm around like crazy. So we've got uh, a lot of technology, uh, a lot of uh, you know, basically knowledge going all the way back to the 70s on these couple exercises that have really, really helped prevent a lot of shoulder injuries. Downside is when there is a shoulder injury, when somebody like Corey Kluber does uh, tear a rotator cuff, we're not good at getting them back. Right. Uh, yeah, we, just saw, we just saw Jose Devers down in Florida have to have a, a labrum repaired, and those are, are really tough. You can even go to guys like uh, Bellinger, who has been awful this year, coming off shoulder surgery, and Fernando Tatis, who's been out uh, with dislocating his shoulder again and again and again. He's going to need that exact same surgery, uh, and certainly the Padres have to worry with the way Bellinger has come back. So you do a lot of injuries, but I am curious about this. You know, when you talk to medical experts of how sports has gotten through COVID, um, just in a general sense, are, are you surprised? Are you not? Uh, just your your general feelings and how all sports have, have dealt with COVID and gotten through this. It's put a lot more stress on, on medical. Uh, you know, almost every baseball team put their athletic trainers in charge of it because they were best equipped, but they were also, you know, overworked to begin with, and they didn't get a lot more in the way of resources. They basically cobbled this together, got us through a season last year, and then an off-season that was just awful. We've made it through this season, and now we're seeing, you know, this bubbling up of Delta. It, it's hit the major leagues. It's definitely hit the minor leagues, and we're seeing it more and more across all levels of society. It's going to be interesting to see how football deals with it because they basically just powered through it. They didn't care, and they got a little bit lucky with the timing uh, when when things were lower last year. So this has been a real stress on a lot of things, and. I will not be surprised if we see some athletic trainers who are exceptionally valuable to these teams walk away because they're just burned out. Yeah. Well, Carol, we always appreciate your information. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. Have a great weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon because somebody's going to get hurt. (laughs) Unfortunately. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care, Will. Will Carroll, the injury expert, and you can follow him on Twitter at Injury Expert, and his information is fantastic. Coming up, we're going to head to KC, the Cardinal... Pitching coach Mike Maddox is standing by for Danny Mack and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack and Randy Carricker with you on 101 ESPN. It's 9 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the Cardinal pitching coach, Mike Maddox, scheduled to join us momentarily. Dan, I mentioned this to you during the break because it's instructive of the issues that Mike Maddox has had to deal with. Adam Wainwright leads the Cardinals in starts in 2021 with 23. Second, 
Wainwright in starts is KK with 19, then Carlos Martinez with 16, John Gant with 14, and Johan Oviedo with 13. So your next four starters after Wayno aren't even on the team. It's unbelievable. And who would have thought, and I think it was as of yesterday, Adam Wainwright in Major League Baseball would be second in innings. It's August 13th. Yeah. This isn't after a month. This is now four-plus months in, and he's second in innings in Major League Baseball. That That is just astonishing to me, and hopefully Mike will call in and we can ask him about Wayno and what to expect with uh, Flaherty tonight. That, you know, when you look at this season, and clearly it's been frustrating, they've been hovering around 500, but when you mentioned that to me, I hadn't put that in perspective of those guys that are making those starts. So you really had to patchwork this thing with Wade LeBlanc. We don't know how he is after the elbow issue. Uh, you're not sure what you're going to get out of Flaherty tonight. You're hopeful that Michaelis comes back. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to, to consider what Mike is and both Mikes have had to deal with this season with the amount of injuries, specifically with their pitching. And they have had a dozen different pitchers make starts, including Michaelis, who'll be back. But you've had Lester and Happ each make their two. You've had Ponce de Leon make a couple. You've had Woodford. You've had LeBlanc. So it really has been, as as you mentioned, a patchwork starting rotation. And credit to Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox for being able to have a team that's over 500 despite all of that. And Obviously, when you have a lot of people that are starting games, you aren't getting a ton of, ton of innings out of all of those either. And that's one of the reasons that the bullpen has had to undergo so many different changes, too. I've always felt this year, looking at the fact that Hicks got hurt, let's just say, for argument's sake, he had a normal season because when you started seeing these guys go down and it was May 31st that Jack Flaherty went down, you know, you're talking about maybe Alex Reyes taking him out of the bullpen and stretching him out and using him as a starter. Potentially, you could have done that, even though he was really good as a closer. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And if Hicks at that point is showing that he's healthy and moving forward and can close games out, then you would have had the ability to take one of those guys, probably Reyes, insert him in the rotation. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a big difference for the the club too. Because let's face it, Oviedo as well as um, at times he pitched – you know, he's learning on the fly. It really shouldn't be here, and it should have been a time in which he was in the minor leagues. That's Danny Mack. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joining us from Kansas City, where the Cards will play the Royals tonight, is the Cardinal pitching coach, Mike Maddox. Mike, always good to have you with us. Thanks for your time this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, thanks for having me on. Well, I, I want to start with this because we're all curious. What are you expecting out of Jack Flaherty tonight? Man, I'm I'm expecting a guy to go out there and compete his tail off like he always does. Um, I think he's going to be just Jack, the same Jack we've seen mentally. He's going to go out there over-prepared or, you know, hype, uber-prepared to go out there. And um, he's going to compete, and he's going to give us – he's going to go out there and go as long as we let him go really, you know, and then he's going to lobby to stay in and stuff like that. So we're already, <laughs> we already know that's going to happen, but uh, we're going to have to honor some type of pitch count. And um, I hope that uh, everything goes smoothly for him, but we're looking at a healthy, strong young man. That's overly motivated and has missed the competition for quite some time. Hey, mad dog. It's Danny Mac. Uh, great to hear your voice. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, I got to ask you about Wayno. What, what, from your perspective, you, you pitched a number of years, you've been around the game forever. You've been a pitching coach. 
Um, how do you describe what you're seeing with Adam Wainwright? It's just been incredible to see what he's doing. He's been so much fun to watch. I mean, this guy was, you know, he, he's had a, uh, it's like he, you know, found the fountain of youth somewhere. You know, uh, Father Time is no longer uh, on his shoulder. He, he seems to defy all odds. And he's going out there pitching like a spring chicken, man. Um, goes, uh, you know, he knows how to pitch. He commands the fastball. He changes speeds. He's got Uncle Charlie in his back pocket. Got the nice cutter, and he uses his changeup now. And he's got the four-pitch mix, and he's absolutely on fire, just leading the team. And he's leading from the front. That's what I like about it. And I think as he's getting, you know, older in years and um, thinking about uh, – you know, what lies ahead for him. He, you know, I think he's enjoying it more now than ever because uh, I think he's mature enough and old enough to appreciate what he's done in the past, but he's even more uh, happy about what, what he's doing right now. And he's just having a, a lot of fun doing it. And it, it really shows, and the guys are really loose playing behind him because Wayno's out there having a lot of fun while he's competing, man. So uh, he's been a blessing to us and a blessing to the game. The Cardinal pitching coach, Mike Maddox, with us on 101 ESPN. Mike, as he got into the 7th, 8th, ninth innings the other night, were you thinking he might wind up with a Maddox here? Well, I'll tell you what. He, you know, we're sitting there, uh, you know, between the, or during the game, you know, just logging his pitches and everything, and his highest pitch count inning was 13. Wow. And I'm looking at, you know, he's got, you know, 10 after 1, and then he's got 19 after 2, and then it's 32 after 3, and – like, damn, this we're not using a whole lot of energy here. But, of course, we knew the team we were facing was, uh, you know, very free swinging. And, you know, we talked about that. But, uh, you know, to see them just sit there and put it in play, put it in play, and watch Harrison Bader run around and catch <laughs> everything, what a clinic that was defensively. But um, that whole game just personified, hey, if I command the fastball, change speeds, use my defense, good things are going to happen. And, you just saw that stuff line up, and that was amazing just to get all the quick outs and see the great plays behind him because guys were on cue, man. They were ready. You know, you pound the zone, everybody's on the balls of their feet. They're ready to make plays, and that showed up. Mad Dog, when you got to St. Louis, you had heard all about this kid, Alex Reyes, and you've seen the ups and downs with Alex to get to this point. Um, just from your perspective, and you've built a really good relationship with him, he now has 27 saves, one blown save. He's an all-star. Um, just, you know, how cool is that to see the young man, it all comes together, and, and to see him finally healthy and having success? You know, it's been a breath of fresh air, Dano, because uh, when, you know, four years ago, Alex was uh, recovering from a Tommy John, and then he came back from that and hurt his lap. And then it was a, a hand injury. So here was a guy everybody was um, so high on. And, you know, wait do you see this guy. Wait do you see this guy. And I'm like, well, I've been waiting for three years. I ain't seen him yet. You know? yeah. And then finally, here it is. And I see what he brought to the table in a short look last year. And, oh, boy, easy to fall in love with Alex. Because, uh, you know, four-plus four pitches, uh, you know, a very, very good competitor. And a guy that uh, kind of missed competing, and I think uh, cherishes the moments that he's healthy now because he was on the other end of that fence for so long. So happy for Alex, um, you know, here in his first full season, aside from last year, we'll discount last year, but, you know, this year from spring training, 
goes out there, shows that he's healthy, and we needed someone to finish games, and why not Alex? Why not Alex? He's got the best stuff coming out of the pen, and, you know, like you said, all-star team, everything he's done has just been fabulous, man, and so proud of him and the way he's gone about it. Mike, he still wants to start. How difficult would it be for him to get ready to start and then become a starter at the beginning of 2022? Well, that's just something that we've kind of planned on it this year. You know, earlier in the season, we was, you know, trying to get a little more innings on him, you know, using him, uh, you know, one plus and sometimes two. And I think, uh, you know, what we, we've got a number in mind that it'd be nice if he could have, you know, 90 innings, you know, that we could build up on. But, you know, the game's going to tell us when to use Alex Reyes. And I think we've kind of gone treating him more like the normal closer that the traditional closer would on a team. But uh, I think we come into spring training and the, the idea is to start Alex. I don't see why he wouldn't just jump right into it. And I don't, I don't have any reservations about him starting. We'd have to watch his innings. That's for sure. You know, moving forward, but, uh, boy, he's a, he's a, you know, strapping young man, strong as a bull. And, um, I think he would be, physically be able to withhold the innings that's that's for sure he could he could wear the innings no problem mike i always say it you know the pitching coach can't throw the ball the manager can't throw the ball and at times as you know it's frustrating when you see the walks or the or the hit batters so it's easy to go out there and i think a fan would say wow tell the guy to throw strikes well he's trying to throw strikes of course he's trying to to find the strike zone um how do you as a pitching coach get through to a pitcher to try to curtail that, to make sure that they're more efficient in a strike zone? Uh, you know, I've got my own methods with each person. You know, uh, you can't really cookie cut it. Other than all we can do is encourage guys and let them know why are you in the big leagues? You know, why are you a a major league pitcher? And the answer is because, you know, you are one of the best in the world. That's why. For sure. That is why you are best in the world and if you're one of the best in the world why not why not get after that guy of course he's one of the best in the world as well but you know the numbers are always on our side um hitting the ball is very very tough and it's it's uh it's a battle within itself you know a lot of times it's a uh it's a mental challenge for yourself and you know, everybody has a, a fear of failure. That's part of the game. That's what we do. I mean, that's everybody has it. Everything on the field from the pitcher, you know, is to the catcher. Am I calling the right pitch to the umpire? Am I going to get this call right? You know, to the hitter, you know, what am I going to do? So you got to throw all that stuff aside. And I think that's part of uh, youth. And I think it's part of growing. And it's not uncommon for guys to go through these spurts. It's just uh, when you compile them all up at the same time with uh, a lot of youth on the same staff, um, it gets a little crazy at times. But um, I, I think that it's a mental approach, and that's what we got to keep honing. Working and honing is our mental approach. Mike, b- before you joined us, I mentioned to Dan that after Wayno, the the number of starts that you've got, the second most from KK, third most from Carlos Martinez, fourth most from Gant, fifth most from Oviedo, and then Jack Flaherty is sixth. Is this as challenging a year as you've had trying to piece things together for a pitching staff and specifically for a starting rotation? It's been a, a little challenge. Um, I will say this, though, nothing compares to 
2020. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> right, but, uh, you know, that was 60 games, you know, so you're trying to patch stuff up for actually we ended up playing 58 plus the playoffs. But um, going into a full season, um, this year has had its challenges with uh, injuries. That's for sure. But every team has them and it's no excuses. No team feels, you know, sorry for you. You know, everybody goes through them. But, it, yeah, it's been a challenge. And we've had to get some guys out there that uh, – you know, have a lot of promise. Um, we just got to get better at helping them, really, and I'll wear that one. But uh, it has been a challenge. You can say that, and we're having our challenges now, but we get Jack back tonight, uh, miles on the horizon. So uh, hopefully we get uh, – we've gotten older quicker. I know that with the, the additions that happened uh Lester. And um, we got to get production out of them, and we got to get this ship right and have us a strong uh, – final campaign here with uh, August, September and make some noise on the broadcast. Mike, one of the shots that I, I love that we, uh, when we have the opportunity to show is Wayno talking to Jack Flaherty. They all have a baseball in their hands as they always do. And they're working on grips and that kind of thing. And then I looked the other day and there was John Lester and he was doing it. And Jay Happ was doing it with some of the younger guys. So not only can they make an impact, and I'm curious your your point of view of this, make an impact down the stretch, hopefully between the white lines, but what do those guys bring to a pitching staff when they're not pitching and talking pitching inside that dugout during a game for your young uh, young starters or even relievers? Well, uh, I love it. Uh, love the, ex- the experience. I love the uh the the veteran um presence that these guys bring you know they they've been there they've done that and everybody wants to every young pitcher wants to be where they are and that is you know 37 38 39 years old still competing at the highest level at least i hope that's what everybody wants now these guys have done it they've been in that in that situation before where you know this is uh how I felt when I was your age and, you know, this is kind of the maturation process of it. And here we are, you know, uh, now, now they're the mentors and that there's, you learn so much more from your own teammate than you can anyone else. Because I think the younger guys really look up to the older guys because they're still doing it. And that's where they want to go. I think that these guys that uh, sit there and they trade grip secrets and pitch secrets and little sequencing things, that's, that's all part of the growth and it's so healthy, especially within a, within a, uh, a team setting. So they've been a blessing. It's a short look that we've had them, you know, but um, it's been a very welcome look and, you know, have to a really good game as last time yeah, they're in Pittsburgh and we get uh, Lester back on the bump, uh, I guess tomorrow, tomorrow. Right. And, uh, yeah, we had a really good bullpen, made some adjustments there. So uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what these guys bring. And um, I think uh, we're going to have a pretty entertaining uh, final 50, 60 games of this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, Mike, thanks for hopping on with us. Really appreciate it. Good luck in Kansas City starting tonight. And uh, just wanted to say thanks for taking some time out this morning with us. Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate it very much, guys. You got it. That's uh, Mike Maddox, the Cardinals pitching coach. Great to hear from him. Coming up yesterday, we heard from David Freeze on the Danny Mac show and some of the highlights of what Freeze had to say as he returns on Tuesday for his Budweiser Bash bobblehead night. That's next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. In the last couple of weeks of August and in September, the Cardinals will try to replicate what they did in 2011 when they came back from 10 and a half back and were able to make the playoffs and ultimately win the 2011 World Series. David Freeze is going to be in town on Tuesday for the Budweiser Bash at the ballpark. He's going to throw out the first pitch. People get a Budweiser uh, or a David Freeze bobblehead when they attend that game. And he was on with Danny Mack yesterday on the Danny Mack show with BK here on 101 ESPN. And the guys asked Freeze, what stands out to him 10 years after that world championship? I think that you're just forever a champion. I know that's cliche and it's cheesy, but it's true. Nobody ever forgets, regardless of how you get it done. And then you add, add our run into it. Um, it's just, it's just special. Um, I mean, you look at Pat Maroon, like he threw the first pitch out of last week, a few days ago to Ozzy and, you know, the crowd's going ballistic and everybody, you know, it's not even the same sport, but man, it's just a great city to, to be a champion in. And, uh, um, just real excited for, uh, to get back there and, and hear the crowd. So he was approached <clears throat> Randy by a bunch of different teams to join them and alumni and that kind of thing. And he said, no. And he actually, so when he first retired, the Cardinals sent him a message and said, hey, when you're ready to come back, you come back. And he said, I'm not ready yet. And then unsolicited, a text pops up to Joe Pfeiffer and says, I'm ready to to do this. You know, whatever you guys want to throw at me, the bobblehead nights, the first pitches, the fantasy camps, whatever you want to do, build around 2011. And it is like a welcome back home kind of thing on Tuesday night, which is really cool for him. And I conducted that interview uh, a couple days ago and then replayed it obviously yesterday so played it yesterday so he is welcoming the idea of and embracing the idea that this moment is very important not only for the cardinals and the history of this franchise but for the fans because so many have, have come up to him and said i was at the game i was watching the game it pops up every october whatever and while he used to maybe kind of shy away from that mm-hmm. he doesn't anymore yeah he i i totally get having to decompress from what you have to deal with in St. Louis, being a hometown guy who hits that home run in that game, arguably the biggest home run ever hit in the history of the Cardinals. Yeah. And you're around town. So with that being the case, a hometown kid who hit that home run, how did life change for he and his family? Yeah, I think it was all just really fast. Um, not only to get traded back to St. Louis, but then a couple of years later, you know, you go on that run and, and grab the ring. Um, I think we're all just learning as we went along, um, but so much fun, you know, like every October, late October, the date comes up and, you know, the whole country gets to see the highlights of us winning the world series and you get to relive it and, and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously easier to handle when you're done playing. Um, there are a lot of things I wish I did differently while I was playing. And, uh, but, you know, 10 years later, you know, family, friends, we all still kind of talk about that day when it, when it pops up and, and we all look at it a little differently, um, you know, in, in a, in a good, in a good, better way, but uh, just uh, just a blast um, going through it all with everybody in the, in your hometown, man. It's just stupid thinking about doing that in your hometown. That'll never get old thinking about that. Can you think of a game seven win in any sport that's more of a footnote 
than Game 7 of the 2011 World Series for the Cardinals. That was because, Game 6, you mean? But I, no, because Game 7 became a footnote oh, because a footnote, of how yes. great Game 6 was. That's a good point. Trying to think here. Uh, maybe Maroon's Game 7 goal yep. in a previous series because it's not the Stanley Cup. Right. Maybe. I, I don't know. I it, It's a great question. I can't think of one. I mean, maybe Reggie Jackson's three home yeah, runs. That's a good call, yeah. That was Game 6. Yeah. I mean, that would come to mind to where the, the Game 7 is kind of the after the yeah. fact of the celebration and what took place. And the, the crazy thing about Freeze was that he was out of the lineup against Roy Oswalt and the Phillies until, my understanding, Big Mac called Tony and said... Don't put Descalso in there. He said, I'm telling you, David Freeze is close. They had been working and working and working, and it was about getting his foot down and making an adjustment. And if he doesn't play in that game, and he hit a home run off of Oswald in that game in the division series, who knows? Maybe we're not having this conversation Right. right now. Yeah, and McGuire told us Tony was already at the ballpark, and Mark was driving down Highway 40. And they were talking yes. on the phone, and Tony was going down the lineup with him. And Mark said, no, he, he's close. You, you can't take him out now. The miracle on ice would be the game that supersedes the championship. The gold. That's true. Good yeah. point. Yeah, that's one for Great sure call. that comes to uh, to mind. So we I'm rattling through yeah. these. No, that's, that's a really good thought. We've all watched Game 6 a million times, and especially last year during the pandemic. I think either ESPN or MLB Network aired it every single day. And Freeze has seen it a lot. Does he see something different every time? Yeah, I I do. I do. I, I think every time, uh, a- any kind of highlight, whether I'm involved in it or, or somebody else, another sport, I think if, if you just keep seeing these highlights, you see you see different stuff. But what's funny, man, I, they always show kind of the same angles, so the same fans get thrown in there. Um, and I guarantee you I could see those fans in, in schnooks and be like, yeah, you're in that highlight. You know, that type of stuff. Like, I'm obsessed with seeing how the fans react to it all. And the the best thing that has come out of that stuff are those videos on YouTube of everyone sitting around the TV, you know, and they're recording the game from behind them. I'm getting chills right now. But that, um, those are the coolest things to see for me, just all those YouTube videos of uh, – not to say I go back and, and watch them and fluff myself every month, but <laughs> – but to go back and see them all just going ecstatic, you know, for what we did and um, just life for Cardinals fans, life for St. Louis fans. And uh, just the best part about it is how you can give people that kind of excitement and that love for your sport. There is a sidebar, by the way, to what he was talking about. And if you went to the ballpark in 2012, Matt Shedd of the Cardinals production team, who's unbelievable. He's an editor. He's very, very talented in television and he created a video do you remember the some night song some yeah. nights and they would play that in the in 2012 and so what it was is what he was talking about which is the fans were recording at home what what was going on when freeze came i got goosebumps thinking about it right now so they had hundreds of youtube videos people were posting those videos up Matt grabbed him and made the Some Nights video and then interspersed the triple, the home run, all that stuff. And there was bar scenes of people popping champagne and beer everywhere and throwing it all on each other in the celebration. And it ends with an elderly lady, a grandma, it looks like, for lack of a better term. She gets out of her lazy boy and starts dancing in front of her TV. It's hilarious, but it's so awesome to see the <laughs> just the natural reaction. And to further that story... 
the following year, Joey Votto, when he was in town, saw that on the video board, asked for a copy so that he could show his teammates and said, this is what winning can do. How cool is That's that? That's very cool. That's great. He wanted to see, he wanted his teammates to make sure and pay attention to say, this is what winning is all about. That's fantastic. That's awesome. We mentioned the McGuire story about how he didn't want Freeze taken out of the lineup. And Michelle and I talked to Big Mac during, well, it was right before the 30 for 30 back in 2020. And he told us that story. It's funny because it's like, you know, I, as a hitter, I was self-taught. So I, I, I can see things that I, I think a lot of hitting coaches, especially they hitting coaches, can't see. And and I know that feeling. Um, and and it, to me... To me, it's not about getting a hit every day. It's about the repetition and where you're putting your body every every time you're swinging, every time you take a pitch, your work inside the cage before the game, maybe sometimes after the game. And, and when you can see somebody that's, that's online and maybe not getting some hits, you just know it's a, ma- it's a matter of one pitch. It's a matter of one swing. And I and and with David, to me, it was that was it. And, and it's like people were like, "Well, he's struggling." I'm like, "No, he's not." Watch. And it's like I can see those things. And, and something that I, I try to instill in my kids today, I said, "It's not about getting a, it's not about getting a hit every day. It's about you having the repetition of that same swing in the same lines that you are going to be. You're ready to go. And it, sometimes it doesn't work out." You have to understand the guy on the mound is getting paid a lot of money to get you out. <laughs> you know he's not going to throw you a cookie every time. You know, and and hitters hitters make a lot of money on pitchers' mistakes. And there's times throughout the the season that pitchers are not going to give you mistakes, and that's just the given. So that being said, when you're doing your work and you watch somebody swing, if they are online and they they might think they're off, and I'm keep telling them they're not. And it's a matter of one pitch, and that's what I saw. And he went off, and, and David just, I mean, historical, historical postseason. Um, and <laughs> on top of it, just one wonderful, great human being. That's a, a cool story. It, that is. it just comes down to one pitch and one coach seeing something that another coach might not see, but the Cardinals had the right people in place. And if he doesn't make that move and keep him in the lineup, maybe no David Freeze. Right. Maybe no win against the Phillies. Maybe no Chris Carpenter in game five. Roy Halladay. Maybe no Pujols, three home runs. All of it. So I did ask David how 2011 has changed his life. Um, I mean, humbly, like, if, <laughs> if I don't know if I should say this, but if there's baseball in St. Louis, you know, however long there's baseball in St. Louis, like you're going to, you're going to see that highlight. You're going to see that team winning it like that. And I mean, that, that changes you. Um, as long as I'm breathing, people are going to be talking about, about that night, that week, you know, and that's pretty heavy, man, but it's, it's, it's damn cool. That's damn cool. Pretty amazing. And then it's great. So, uh, by the way, um, Brian Finch of the Cardinals Museum listening to us. He always listens, and he said, by the way, at the museum, there's an exhibit. There's a 2011 exhibit, and it's the first time that Freeze's jersey has ever been put back together in 10 years. Oh, nice. So they have half the jersey. My understanding is the Hall of Fame has half the jersey. 
Remember, the shredder got a part of yep. it, and uh, they've put that together for uh, the Cardinals Museum. So that's together. I think the they've got World Series rings. They've got some different things from the World Series, but the La Russa lineup card is there. It's really cool stuff over there. And People you can enjoy. hear that entire interview on the po- podcast of the Danny Mac Show, uh, brought to you by iPrime Promise at 101ESPN.com and on the 101 ESPN app. David Freeze, Cardinals Hall of Famer? I think so. I can't imagine that he wouldn't be. Had to have played three years with the yeah. Cardinals and then retired for three years. And as I always say, it's not baseball's Hall of Fame. This is our Hall of Fame, and it's the celebration of fans and what drew you to the team, and maybe it was that night that made you a fan. Who knows? Right. But that's why I think he should go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. That moment and the fact that he did win NLCS and World Series MVP that year, in addition to the other pretty good seasons that he had played in a couple World Series. All-star. Yeah. So yeah, he's, to me, a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. What should we expect from Jack Flaherty? And what should we expect from the Cardinals with him back in the rotation? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac and Randy, and you can hear all of the interviews and all of our segments from this show on our fabulous 101 ESPN website where you can get our podcast. You can also get them on the app, the 101 ESPN app. I sensed a little excitement in Mike Maddox's voice when we asked him about Jack Flaherty tonight. Oh, yeah. I If I'm the pitching coach, I'm excited. I mean, and this is no disrespect to others, but it's not Johan Oviedo. We're not trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to patchwork some things? Um, this is a you know legitimate number one guy coming back, and if he's healthy, uh, gives you a chance to win. I will be interested. They had to cover seven innings out of the bullpen yesterday, Randall, and so that makes it interesting mm-hmm. tonight. You know, how far can uh, Jack Flaherty go? What what you, you know? So as we said, it gives you ninety five pitches. Well. 95 pitches for Jack Flaherty was five innings, right. six innings. So you still got to get seven, eight, and nine. You had Reyes pitch yesterday, Gallegos, Cabrera, Luis Garcia, who's pitched well. McFarland pitched an inning. He picked up the win. So others are going to have to step up and uh, see how they get through this game tonight. They were able to get through yesterday without Helsley, right? He did not go yesterday, I don't think. Mm. I'm not sure. No, but he did, didn't he? Did, maybe he did give him an inning. So they'll they'll piece things together and the key is going to be getting five yes i also thought it was interesting that mike maddox feels pretty confident about where they are in ramping up alex reyes to be a starter next year if you have jack flaherty and his stuff and alex reyes and his stuff at the front of a rotation you've really got potentially a terrific one-two punch let me throw another name at you uh how intrigued would you be with Jordan Hicks in your rotation? I would be intrigued if they could convince him to focus on command and maybe give up a couple of miles an hour. So um, doing a season ticket holder event a couple of weeks ago, Mo was asked about that, and he said, yeah. He said, we're having conversations about that. Could be a direction we go with him. And I got to wonder if that's just to keep him healthy with what he's dealing with, with the injury and, and arm issues that he's had this year to where, and I'm just thinking outside the box, okay, you make a start, 
every fifth day. You know it's a scheduled bullpen in between. He's going to be getting rest. It's not going back-to-back-to-back sometimes or two days in a row with a guy that throws triple digits. Now you have a somewhat of a schedule for him, and maybe his body and arm responds better in that direction than being a guy that you're maybe counting on, you know, three out of four all the time. So maybe that's something that uh, plays into the equation with this too. And you are not going to have Martinez. You may not have KK. Happ and Lester, both on the back ends of their deals. So, Wayno, you don't know about Wayno. But that's the the X factor here. So well, let me ask you this: Flaherty, Michaelis, Reyes, Hicks, Wayno. Yeah, maybe Libertori. You don't know. Yeah. Um, you talk to Wayno every Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you listen to interviews and you just kind of read between the lines on certain things. What do you think? I mean, you talk to him every every uh, Wednesday. Do you do you think? that he's coming back next year or do you, do you get the feeling like you know what he's been so good goes out on a, a great season and on his terms what do you what do you think I truly think that he loves pitching so much that he wants to come back he loves the one-on-one battles he loves being around the guys but it's going to take his family to sign off on it because as you've Period. mentioned we both know his daughter is starting high school. She wants he wants her to have a consistent high school life, and I, I'm, my guess is is that uh, the Wainwright family will have a meeting after the season and decide whether or not Dad is going to pitch in 2022. I really think that though, if if he were doing it and just taking control by himself, I think he'd come back and pitch. I'm with you. I, I don't think this is certainly a money situation. I don't think it's a Cardinals decision, even though it ultimately is. But read what I'm saying here. I don't think it's an Adam Wainwright decision. I think it's Mama I, I and do the kids. And so me, if, if they if they give him the green light, all that other stuff, yeah. it's a formality. He has told us, he said, if I didn't have a family, I'd pitch for five more years. Right. He loves it. You know, and, and he's healthier now than he was two, three, four years ago. He mentions that every time he has a good start. Um, another name to mention, Dakota Hudson. Right, he's coming back, yeah. Yeah. So you got him coming back off of Tommy John, and they'll be careful with him. I I would say this, though, too, with Reyes and Hicks, regardless whether or not they're starters or relievers, but certainly if they're starters, the the, the walk rate has got to improve. It uh, it does, yeah. Because if if it's like the pattern it is now, you're talking about a guy that gives you four innings. Now, it might be four scoreless innings with a bunch of strikeouts, but you may have a bunch of walks, and he pitches out of trouble. Which goes to your point, when you're a starter, you're not necessarily max effort. You're throwing hard, but you're Mm -hmm. not maxing everything out. When you know you have three outs to go get, Alex Reyes is rearing back and throwing 98. And if we've learned anything from this year watching the Cardinals, watch Adam Wainwright every fifth day. You don't have to throw 98 to be effective. you got to have movement. you got to have change speeds. you got to locate. And for the life of me, I can't understand why if you're watching that guy every fifth day, or Wade LeBlanc when he's been on the mound. Uh, and now Lester and Hap. These guys aren't throwing that hard. No. But they locate. And I would think that with a guy like Hicks, who never pitched double-A, never pitched triple-A, the reason that he's in the major leagues is because he threw 103. For sure. He and, had something that no one else could do. Right. And, and so he's saying, well, that's why I'm here. I'm not going right. to deviate from that. I do think that it does take probably teammates to say, hey, you can throw... 101 and still blow people away and turn the 
plate into you cut it in half so that you have Quadrant, control. Really. That'd be ideal. If you have that sort of Maddox type control, if you can do it in quadrants, that's great. But just when you're throwing 101 and if you can cut it in half, you can win most battles against hitters. And not to say that when there are times a starter doesn't rear back and says, I need to throw it. Like Car- to me, Carlos Martinez, when right, was a good example. There were times, and he backed off as a starter, but there were times he needed a strikeout. He was letting it fly. Yeah. And so then you'd see him hit 97, 98. There are times you want to do that. But generally speaking, in my opinion, you have to back off so that you can go six, seven, eight, nine. And doing mm-hmm. that is not throwing 105 every time that you have the ball in your hands. And with a guy like Hicks, he has such a natural sink at 104, 105. It's unbelievable. Oh goodness, yeah. But you watch a guy like Liam Hendricks who pitches up in the zone. Granted, he got pounded last night by Judge and Stanton. He won't be the last guy to have that happen to him. But I do think that it'd probably benefit a guy like Jordan Hicks to pitch up in the zone a little bit more than he does too. Throw a four seamer yep. up, yeah, because guys are going to swing through it. Um, watch how the opposition pitches Paul DeYoung. A lot of great point. Hard up, you know, because guys are trying to get launch angle, and it's tough to to get that when guys are throwing upper nineties up in the zone. It's just very hard to do. This was fun. What do we got coming up? Uh, great job, Randall. I've got BK coming into your seat and we'll talk about the game yesterday. We're going to talk about uh, news around Major League Baseball. Our guest hopefully will be Tim Conroy, former Major League pitcher that uh, has worked a long time in baseball, specifically with the Kansas City Royals. He's been a scout, worked with uh, as an assistant to the GM. So, we thought with the Cardinals and Royals, time to catch up with Tim Conroy. Sounds good. All right. Hey, have I, a great I had weekend. a great time. Thank you for doing this, and have a great weekend. We'll you be bet. watching. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Randall. All right. That is uh, Danny Mack. Great job by Emily, our producer engineer. Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.